We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 81, and it is time for us to get ready for a little NHL hockey season. And what better way to do that than with a guy that spent six of his 11 NHL seasons with the Columbus Blue Jackets right here in Ohio. RJ Umberger joins us in the garage. We've got that. Plus, we've got the Cleveland Browns, our Garage Beers of the Week, our Three Cheers of the Week, and so much more. So coming up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 81 of the Garage Beers podcast. Go follow us online at The Garage Beers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on YouTube. Actually, get onto YouTube and subscribe to our page. We release our videos of all of our special guest interviews, including the one we're doing here tonight on our YouTube channel. You do not want to miss those videos, so go check those out. With you as always, oh, well, actually, I also have to mention we're brought to you proudly on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Go check out Belly Up Sports and check out the Unhinged Radio Network, where we are broadcast around the world uh, several times a week, which we love. Uh, with you as always, I am your host, Michael Keefe at Garage Beers Mike. And with me, as always, my two co-hosts over on the east side of Cleveland, it's Garage Beers Chad. Chad Meyer, what's going on, Chad? Hello. <laughs> That's a different one. Oh, hi. hi. Sorry. Got to do the, got to do the usual. Got to do the usual. Uh, guys. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I got nothing this week. You know, I, I <laughs> from the start, when, you got nothing. Whenever you, whenever you introduce me, you know, yeah, yeah. You like, I usually have something. I, I bring the, bring the funny. I, uh, you know, I, I, I make people laugh. Uh, I have some wit, but I don't, I've got nothing. I'm just good. I've got, I'm just good. I've got the, the, the festive lights behind me, and uh, I'm ready to do a I'm podcast. good enough. Let's go. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people God, like me. People like me. <laughs> Chad, witless Chad, joining us for episode 81. He decided to leave the wit somewhere else. Uh, well, that, that, that means big things for you, uh, our, next, our next introductee. Uh, you're going to have to bring the wit here, because if wow. Chad doesn't bring the wit, Somebody's got to bring the wit, and it's going to fall on you. He's down in Nashville, Ooh. Tennessee. 
You can find him online at Garage Beers Joe. It's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? I don't know if I have the wits to die either. <laughs> Who's got the damn wits? Oh, God. I don't know, man. Oh, we got to do these intros at the end of the podcast. This, it's is like- not, this is not a good way to start the show. <laughs> yeah. The- I will say one thing. I will say, and we're going to get into Browns a little later, but <laughs> I think it's, it's rather funny um, if you like interact with a lot of people that aren't Browns fans and they're like, Oh my gosh, how are you guys handling that loss? And like, I, I got that a lot this past Down in Nashville. Week. And for me, it's like, have you seen the past like 20 years? Like it's all good. Yeah, like, <laughs> done it before. And also yeah. Titans fans. Remember when he got smoked by the Cardinals, 138 oh. to two week one. And Shut the hell up. I was screaming for DeAndre Hopkins to score. Five <laughs> Let's go. He didn't. He scored. He scored yeah. one touchdown. I'm not hey, a Titans uh, fan. How I are you dealing with that? How are you dealing I, with that Browns loss? You just take another sip of your beer. You're like, oh, so this is called Monday. <laughs> I'm dealing just fine. Thank yeah. You. I'm sorry. Are you right. sad today? <laughs> That's typical. T- yeah, Victory Monday. This is typical Monday. Hey, listen. I will say the only thing that kind of threw me off is like the disappointment came like three hours later. Uh, than our normal, you know, one o'clock. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I used to be disappointed so, like, in the evening. As if anything, that kind of threw it off. Um, but you know, what are these evening good. time emotions I'm feeling? Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Usually, usually, usually I finish crying before going to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually I've moved on and I'm drunk by now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, we've got an awesome episode. We're going to talk Browns. We're going to talk. We we brought up right there Browns fantasy football. We're going to get into all that and so much more. Plus, we have an amazing special guest. It's episode 81. We are into the 70s on the number of special guests we've had. And joining us this week, uh, an awesome special guest. It's almost hockey season. We are a month away from puck drop in the NHL. And we are so excited to be joined by one of really just one of the greatest uh, Ohio State Buckeye hockey players of all time, and one of the greatest Columbus Blue Jackets players, uh, certainly one of the greatest of his era, uh, R.J. Umberger, going to join us. We're very excited to talk to him. But before when we get into all that, well, actually, kind of while we get into all that, it's time for us to get into our Garage Beers of the Week. All right, now it is time for our favorite segment of the week. It's time for our Garage Beers of the Week. But before we get into our Garage Beers of the Week, and I'm proud to say this, Every time we've had a hockey guest on here, more specifically a Columbus Blue Jackets guest, they have always, always stepped up to the plate to join us for our Garage Beers of the Week. And this week is no different. So we're going to bring our special guest in first. This guy is a former standout Ohio State Buckeye hockey player. He's an NHLer that spent six of his 11 seasons with the Columbus Blue Jackets including four as the alternate captain. If you're a Blue Jackets fan, if you're a Buckeyes fan, he is a Buckeyes Hall of Famer. We are really excited to be joined by R.J. Umberger. R.J., welcome to the Garage Beers Podcast. Hey, thank you. That's quite the uh, introduction there. Thanks. Listen, man, I I worked on it all day. (laughs) (laughs) We did a good job. I appreciate you. Uh, So listen, R.J., the way we really kick off our podcast every, uh, every podcast is we do our Garage Beers of the Week where we just tell everybody what we're drinking, give it a little review, and then we pass it on. So we always let our special guest kick us off. Uh, so tell us about your beer that you're drinking this week. Yeah, nothing crazy. Just a good old Stella um, right from the bottle, nice and cold. I'm not the uh, – I like beer, but I'm not a huge beer drinker, so I don't get uh, deep into it. Um, more of uh, 
a vodka is probably my choice of drink to mix. So, um, but I, you know, I like, uh, I like beer when I, when I have it. So it's, uh, just. Awesome. Well, cool. Uh, uh, that's a Stella. I believe that's score another point. I can't, I know we've had at least one other blue jacket. Nick Foligno had a, 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 a Belgian, uh, a Belgian style beer. So score another one for Belgian style beers with the Stella. And I appreciate that. Cause that was my grandma's favorite beer. So I, I appreciate <laughs> that from you. Uh, let's send it over to Joey. Joey, what's your garage beer of the week this week? Uh, before coming back to Nashville, I snagged probably from your fridge. Pumpkin. <laughs> probably. Out of there. I think we've had this on before. And I guess as backup, I have like a box full of Modellos in the fridge next to me. But uh, I'm going to the pumpkin beer today because uh, Nashville's pumpkin beers are kind of lacking and I can't find any. So I'm, I'm going. Hey, listen, one. right in the beer fridge. No, no problem. We, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I love some. I just, just don't some. let me ever catch you doing it again. <laughs> you got you got some beers in there. Pumpkin. You, it was a it was a uh, unagreed upon. Hey, listen, I I agree to it. Pumpkin, an all time classic. This time of the year, you can't go wrong with it. Uh, that'll bring it over to me. And I've got one. I'm really excited about this. So my mom and my sister just did a cross country road trip. They just got back today. Uh, uh, my mom's moving my sister from New York or from San Diego to New York. So they just got back. And this is from Colorado. It's Odell Brewing. Uh, and actually a friend of our family's owns Odell Brewing. So I'm excited about this one. Uh, Odell Brewing from Fort Collins, Colorado. It's called the 90 shilling ale. It's really cool. And it's just a, it's a good, it's a good ale. I think, I feel like RJ, we're going to talk hockey. So it's hard to come in here with like heavy IPAs. It's hard to come in here with like big old stouts because hockey is very much like a, just crack open some beers and drink them kind of a sport. Right. It's like, your Labatt's and your Canadian beers and all that. I didn't have any Canadian beers, so I'm going with just this regular ale from Colorado. It's delicious, and uh, it's a perfect beer to talk some hockey over. All right, let's send it over to Chad on the east side. Chad, what's your garage beer of the week? Well, guys, uh, I am giving the charity this mm. week. Mm. I should have known. Uh, this is another beer I brought back from North Carolina, and it is is from Town Brewing Company in Charlotte. It's out of Charlotte. And this is called Many Faces. And this is the Many Faces Chocolate Peanut Butter Brown Ale. Ooh. A brown ale? From Town Brewing. Oh, wow. And the, and the reason why I say charity, I'm just going to read this for Please you real do. quick. Uh, the, Many Faces, the Many Faces Initiative was launched to foster diversity and promote inclusivity in the craft beer industry. Proceeds from the sale of this beer will benefit the Many Faces Internship Program designed to provide mentorship and offer an immersive training experience to people of color interested in pursuing careers within the craft brewing industry. Love it. So, uh, that is yeah, so cool. a charity this week, guys, and there it is. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a darker beer, and you know what? It's pretty good. I don't get the, I don't get the hints of peanut butter, but I get the hints of chocolate and oh, it's also eight point three percent, and I'm on my second one already, so I'm uh, pretty. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, awesome. All right, so let's get into it uh, again. Starting off with with RJ Umberger, uh, the the former uh, uh, Columbus Blue Jacket, NHL or Ohio State Buckeye Hall of Famer. We're really excited to get into this. Uh, it's got to be. It feels like, I don't know, you guys, it always feels like hockey season does this thing every year where it's like, it's like 90 degrees, 90 degrees, 90 degrees. And then it's like, oh, it's time for camp. Like I'm always, 
hockey season always sneaks up on me more than any other season. Did you like, do you always feel that RJ? Like, did you feel that as a player? Like, Oh my God, it's time for us to go back to camp. I'm like at the beach. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, off seasons were short, uh, already with, um, depending on how, how deep you went into the playoffs. And then, you know, you take a week or two and then it's turn around and, and start training for the next season. And, you know, you try to spend family time and if you have kids and everything, you try to get some family stuff and vacations and whatnot in. But, um, you know, a lot of it just goes all about the training and, and, you know, getting ready for the next season. And usually Labor Day comes and it's like, okay, Labor Day's <laughs> here. Well, I always said like July 4th came fast and then, you know, oh, I would start complaining. Oh, summer's over. Summer's over already. July Fourth uh, game. Yeah, yeah. Serious, <laughs> you know. And then Labor Day, and you know, now you're you're back skating with the guys, and you know, before you know it, camp's right around the corner. So, yeah. Normally, so Chad, Chad, you made a note about this. Yep. Normally, we have a guest. We would we would try to have you on like the week camp starts, but it sounds like you've got some big plans. Oh, dude, sounds like I mean, you couldn't join us because remember you said um, you know I. We're looking to get you hopefully on for the first day of training camp, but uh, you couldn't because you're embarking on what I can only assume is a sick golf trip, dude. Like, where are you headed and how's the game? Yeah, so going to Hilton Head. Um, I, I have Ooh. a place down there. Um, been going down there for a long time. And uh, this, as soon as I stopped playing, um, I quickly put this golf trip together. So it's probably five years already now. Nice. It goes by fast. Um, so it's a fifth okay. annual and we go down with 12 guys. Um, uh, it's a pretty, pretty fun trip. It's pretty, it's pretty legit. Like we'll play, uh, we'll play a practice round and then we'll play four serious rounds. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, it's cool. Cause there's two, two, like, uh, like parts to the trip. It's uh there's an individual championship. Like, well, so we'll play four rounds and they'll, you know, your own ball will be scored the whole time. And then, um, but okay the same time we'll do team event and um there's a, a second trophy for the you know uh the writer cup style so we do a high over um six guys each you know it's it gets it's a lot of fun you know obviously we want the bragging rights with the the team award but you know you covet that uh championship trophy so um last year was a lot of fun it came down to well, the last, the top two guys were in the final pair, and and then the uh, the team championship actually was tied on the last single match, and um, we had to go into a playoff. So we did a uh, one hole scramble, the nineteenth hole there, and, and and determined the winner. So it was a lot of fun, and looking forward to this year. What any um ahem, any ahem, uh, credits on the line, or is it just a trophy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's just a trophy. Oh yeah, there's a there's a cash prize too. So there's we oh, do. Nice. Some, uh, some different throughout, you know, some skin stuff, and uh, we have a we have a hole in one uh, pot uh, that keeps rolling over, and, and some other things. So it's it's a fun week, uh, four or five days down there, and you know, just unwind. This year, it actually lines up with the Ryder Cup too, so um, it'll be oh, nice. some good good TV to watch too. Are these uh, former are these former players too, or just your buddies? Yeah, so um, some buddies from back home in Pittsburgh, and then some family members also. Um, and then here in Columbus, uh, some bunch of old uh, OSU friends I played hockey with here. So oh, it's nice. uh, I play on Team Ohio since I live here. And, Better boy. Um, you know, so <laughs> it's good. It's uh, a fun time. And my in-laws uh, are the ones that get the rowdiest. And we have, you know, that that goes all year just talking about it and, and the trash talking. So, um, <laughs> 
win. Is anybody just bad? Like, I'd be that guy that was like, hey, if you give away an award, a cash prize for as many trees that can get hit, I'm going to win that cash prize. Well, Hilton Head's tough. I mean, you know, there's no rough to grab your ball. It just flies through and through. And, um, you know, if you hit it just off a little bit, you're in the trees like crazy. And, yeah, I mean, we got we have the, the handicaps range from really low to really high. So it's um, there we go. it's a good mix. Um you know, the most of the, the bad handicaps are on the Pittsburgh team. The better <laughs> ones are in Ohio. It's definitely a pro. Ah. The way, way you handicap everything, it, it keeps it close. So it's a good thing. And you know, they call us the country clubbers. We call them the hackers. So I was going to say, that's why you decided to go Ohio. Let <laughs> 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 me get around it now. <laughs> that's smart strategy there. Yeah. So let's get to some excitement for you before we start really talking hockey. But next month, you got you got a big event coming next month, and it's not the Ryder Cup golf tournament, uh, Umberger style down in Hilton Head. You're you are a Pittsburgh guy. Uh, you you grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, and you're going to be inducted into the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame in October. Uh, as a kid from Plum, Pennsylvania, uh, how cool is it for you to get that honor? Yeah, it's really special. It's. Um you know, it's, I'm very honored, obviously, first off, um, you know, I, I don't think as a kid, you start and you're like, Oh, man, man, someday I hope I'm in the hall of fame. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't start out that way. It's, it's all about, you know, just I had so much fun playing the game. I loved it. It's just what I wanted to do all the time just play hockey, play, play sports. And, um, I fell in love and just, you know, quickly, decided that, you know, hockey is what I want to do. And I just put everything to it, right. Just worked and worked and, um, you know, had, had goals along the way, you know, play college hockey, play and play in the NHL. And, you know, it just, it was always about the short term and just, um, you know, doing the best you can and have as much fun and enjoying it. And, and when you, you have the chance to look back on everything you able to accomplish, it's 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 really cool, and it makes you really appreciate everything that went into it. All the all the work, you know, the people that helped get you there, the coaches, my parents for you know driving me and paying for all the hockey. I mean, without those people, you, you, it doesn't matter. Like you, you don't have the opportunity, and so um, it'll be a cool moment. But it'll also be a moment that I'm ready to you know I want to share with everybody else that. Um, you know, made that opportunity possible. Yes, yeah, so you're going. Oh, yeah, go man. ahead, Chad. Oh no, I was going to say that growing up, hockey is is you need a lot of support because hockey is not a cheap sport to play. <laughs> <laughs> growing up, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, going into it, man, you're being inducted alongside uh, former NFL wideout and uh, Pennsylvania native Marcus Colston, man. Uh, now I saw it, read something that yeah, you drafted him on your fa- you're a fantasy football guy. You drafted him a couple of times. I mean, I mean, did he win you any money? Like, do you owe him an, a couple of icy lights or something? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did well for me. But uh, that was you know, back in uh, I think I was actually probably Philly back then when uh, I was playing with the guys on our team and stuff. And uh, I did pretty well in some of my fantasy leagues. But, um, you know, I was always big in the Saints, you know, the Saints passing attack and everything. And so I'll definitely have to share that with him when I see him. But um, I'm anxious to meet him and some of the other athletes, as a, you know, from coaches and, and, and ex-players. It's, um, you know, it's a very interesting and very talented class. So um, it'd be cool to learn more about some other, some other members and, um, you know, enjoy the night. So this isn't, 
this is not the first Hall of Fame you've been inducted to. I mean, you, you're kind of becoming like a Hall of Fame, you know, round tripper <laughs> over here. Uh, uh, we're an Ohio-based podcast here. And for the second time in four weeks here on Garage Beers, we're talking to an Ohio State Buckeye Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, let's talk a minute for uh, about your journey to OSU. Uh, you know, you, you grew up in Western PA, uh, obviously uh, made a name for yourself in hockey over there. Uh, and then and then you made the decision to come over to Columbus and play for the Buckeyes. Just, uh, you know, what was it about that program? What was it about Ohio State that enticed you to come to Columbus? Yeah, well, so early on, uh, I knew I wanted to play college hockey. And uh, I was at the U.S. National Program um, when I was in junior and senior high school. So I'm in Ann Arbor. And yeah. that was a new program at the time, just the second year. But, uh, you know, the opportunity was unbelievable. We're playing up against the best you know, older kids were, you know, one of the best teams in the country and we're, we're going overseas. So the exposure was, was unbelievable. And, you know, it opened up a lot of opportunities for me and I'm um, very thankful for that program. And, you know, I, so college was definitely my route and, you know, I chose a few schools right off the bat that I was interested in. You know, one was Ohio state, one was Michigan state, Notre Dame and, uh, in BU and, you know, talking to those coaches, seeing the schools and, you know, I, I really just fell in love with Ohio state when I stepped on campus here and, you know, I met the guys, I walked around, um, and spent a day or two here and it was just, you know, it, it was just amazing. And, you know, they had a new arena at the time. It was, you know, interesting to play in that big stadium, NHL style. The jackets were just coming here to Columbus. So they were going to be right around the corner. Um, you know, a lot of things. I, the, the, the assistant coach at Ohio State at the time was Casey Jones and he's someone I knew. Oh, nice. Like amateur hockey growing up. Um, he was involved in some of the different select stuff that I played in. So, um, I had a relationship already built there and, um, um, it just was a no-brainer situation, uh, no-brainer decision for me. Honestly, there's going to be a lot of people that like that answer. That little no-brainer part at the end about it. I say we're going to have a lot of people that like that. Uh, no, it's my. It's one of my favorite things about right. You get so used to uh, college football, right? Or, or and so you talk to recruits that played at Ohio State, and you know you talk about what are the other schools, and it's like Penn State, Michigan, Alabama, whatever. College basketball, same way. I love the stories of the other teams that are in the list. Like you named a couple other, you know, uh, big programs there, Notre Dame, Michigan state, you just throw BU in there. Like I love, that's my favorite part about college hockey is that just these random Denver or like BU yeah. or just Quinnipiac St. Cloud. State. Yeah. Right. These other schools <laughs> yeah. that are just like killer programs in hockey and they get to compete at the highest level. That's that's, that is the best part to me about college hockey is like, you'd never hear those names ever uh, except for that. And you got, I'm sure you got to play at some cool places then. Oh yeah. We played in awesome places. I mean, um, you know, you play in like in Minnesota of all those diehard fans and you're playing in front of like, we played there uh, there actually at the Minnesota wilds arena right after they won the national championship. It was like 17,000 fans Uh, to kick off the next season. Like this is crazy. You know, so, I mean, we, we got to go to Florida. We played in, in Alaska. I mean, like, just cool places that, you know, you wouldn't typically get to go to. And, um, 
it's just uh, like you said, uh, this you know these colleges, some of these schools, you know, they're not so much their their football, but the hockey, and that was, that makes them fun because the hockey atmosphere is just uh, rowdy and intense, and you know some of those places that have the four or five thousand uh, size arenas, I mean, it's really cool to play with the fans are right on top of you, and the students are loud and getting into it. So it, it's it's definitely fun. Like Maine, Maine's a cool place to go play. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, Maine. Hey, let's just go play. Maine has nothing else going on up there. Let's go play hockey game. It's probably crazy and awesome. Uh, uh, same same thing with Vermont. Vermont is the same way. I've heard Vermont is just a sick place to play. Hey, listen, I went to yeah, New Hampshire. I mean, need those places. Well, I was just going to say, I went to Bowling Green, and it, the ice arena there was wild. Uh, it was, And the team wasn't even good when I was there, but they, it was wild. It was fun going to those games. Uh, in three years as a Buckeye, RJ, you become one of the all-time greats in Scarlet and Gray history, hence why you're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you were a finalist for Hopi Baker. You were the highest Buckeye ever selected in the NHL draft. That's really cool. Uh, when you think about your back at your time uh, with the Buckeyes with Ohio State, just what are what are one or two of your just your fondest memories, your favorite your favorite times at at Ohio State? Well, I had a class of uh, freshman year of 10 guys, so um, I felt very fortunate for that. Um, it was a lot of fun, and um, you know, a lot of my good friends are guys from that class now, and I think that just the bond that we made at Ohio State, and there's a lot of guys that still live here that played hockey, and they're, they're involved in the, in the community, and they're involved in the hockey, and guys that you didn't even play with that you, now you're like really good friends with. So that, I think, foremost is just uh, the friendship you made there. Um, being a Buckeye, just how it stays forever is just something special. Um, but, I mean, just playing college hockey, um, I remember just it didn't matter what game, but like the, the national anthem, just standing on the goal line waiting to start. I remember the chills of every game. I mean, it's <laughs> something about playing your students and your school and wearing that on the crest of your jersey it just meant something it meant something more of all the people that have been there athletes before you and all the students and the history so it was it was special um you know that I'm, I'm one of the like reasons why i've always done pretty well is i'm really tough on myself too like i, I demand a lot and i look back at it and i always still wish i would have done more wish we would have done more wish we would have won a national championship you know i look back at the talent that we have and just wish we would have um you know come away as a as a champion that's <laughs> why that's why i'm not an athlete <laughs> <laughs> Man, I brushed my teeth this morning. I did pretty good today. <laughs> that, that's a win. That's a win. Pretty good today. Yeah. Well, that's that's what life's like now. I know. You know today. All right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, my kids survived, so this was a yeah. good day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does the white uh, does does is is the has the wife gotten used to you being home yet? It was was it tough in the beginning or? It was definitely an adjustment for both of us, um, probably more so for her. But uh, I think we're, yeah, I think we're doing pretty well with it right now. Um, you know, we kind of both during the days go our own separate ways. Um, she's a, f- a pharmacist that only works a little bit, so she she just keeps her license. So she's home a lot. She's been fortunate since I played to be with the kids. Um, okay. But now, yeah, we, we got a routine. Um, honestly, like, 
our kids are involved. I have three kids and they're involved in so much sports that at night, once they're home from school, like, I, I don't know how we would do it without two of us. Like, and even two of us isn't enough. We, we need, we rely on, you know, either babysitters or family or, you know, friends. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. You thought life would cool, calm down a little bit after you stopped playing, didn't you? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Again, going faster. Uh, uh, so, uh, let's just kind of keep moving on with your career a little bit. Uh, Ohio State, uh, again, one of the greatest players ever. You're drafted in the first round, the highest ever draft pick uh, uh, that came out of Ohio State uh, back in 2001. Uh, you're drafted by Vancouver, but you never lace up for Vancouver, and you wind up you wind up kind of missing the whole 2003-2004 season. For a kid that's that's got the ambition, obviously the talent, to break into the NHL and play, what's like what's what's what was that year like for you when you're not playing? Uh, how hard was that? Yeah, it was one of the toughest things that I've probably happened in my career. Um, you know, you, you finish after a good junior year, um, had a great season and just was ready to move on, um, and start my pro career. And, you know, Vancouver was ready for me to move on. And, and, and the Ohio state coaches said I was ready. My agent said I was ready. And, you know, just, I found out the tough part of, of pro sports, the, uh, the business aspect of it. And, you know, it came down to a contract and, you know, Vancouver was realized that they could, you know, really negotiate was all on their end where they could control it. And as a college student, you didn't have much, many rights. And, you know, it was kind of whatever it was, whatever they said. And, um, you know, they, they lowballed me and really, um, you know, at that time, it was back before they changed a lot with the salary caps and everything. And the being drafted in the first round at a certain time, it's just like it, it was automatic. Like you got this price, you got these bonuses right. and blah, blah, blah. And it was just an, an afterthought. And you moved up and you started. And, and there were guys all around me were getting that and Vancouver didn't get it. And, you know, obviously, they took the advice of my agents and, you know, decided, like, we're not going to do this and we're going to see what happens. And it just turned into a lot longer process. Um, it got a little personal um, between, you know, the GM and Vancouver and myself. And um, I just stuck to my guns, really. Honestly, I thought I was worth more. Um it became something of just, you know, my value and what I believed in. And, um, you know, I'd hoped the whole time that it was going to resolve and I would get started as, you know, October came and November came and you're watching these guys all play and your college team's playing and, and you can't do anything. It, it was really tough. Like, so all I could do was I had to literally not play hockey. I had, so I went to the West program. I went and lived with a family that I didn't know. And I just went to practice with the U S program and it was just stay on the ice. So I'm going backwards, you know, like it was really tough. At the same time, you're, you know, you're starting to hear people say like, you know, he's never going to play now. He's ruining it. You know, he's, he's greedy or it's this and that. And, you know, they start, you know, attacking your character and, and it was nothing about that. It was just about what I believed in was right and wrong. And, um, so long story short, you know, it, it went the whole year and, um, mm. I got traded at the trade deadline, um, to New York Rangers. But at that point, like I hadn't played all year. Um, the Rangers honestly weren't even, didn't even, they brought me in for a couple of weeks and I skated with their, them and the, uh, their Miley team. And really, honestly, they were just looking for the second round compensation pick for not signing me. And, um, it worked out better that way anyway, because in a month and a half I was becoming a free agent. Yeah. Um, and a free uh, okay. agent 
82 years old is unheard of. So, um, you know, I'm a free agent. I could go sign anywhere. And my agents were really good the whole time, uh, being honest and, you know, really gauging the, the top, like the interest level of other teams where it would be, you know? Yeah. And so I just stuck to my guns. I believed in myself. I believed that I could get stronger and train all off season, stay healthy. And I've said this from day, like I already tell the story. I, my mindset was, I have a, a bad injury without an injury. So guys yeah. miss seasons. Right. Guys get their knee hurt and they're out a whole year. Like I had, I was out the whole year, but I was healthy and I was getting stronger and, and faster and, and more ready. So when the next season started, it ended up, it was a lockout year. So I started in the minors with Philly. Um, you know, I was ready to go. Now, was it, now was it still uh, Hartford at the time? The, the Rangers affiliate? Yeah, it was. It yeah. was so I skated there okay. for like two weeks and then um, they, they actually, Rangers offered me a 25 game PTO contract and um, we were like, you know, why would I sign that and take the risk of getting hurt or whatever when, you know, I could be unrestricted in, in a month and a half and, you know, we, you know, first day of unrestricted free agency, you know, I was talking with teams and, and it was, you know, so it just didn't make sense. Yeah, like, hey guys, that sounds great. <laughs> if I'm 37, <laughs> right, right, right. Like, so it was a, it was not the ideal way to start a career. It was a strange process. Again, it was the business side. Um, you know, I, you probably had to fight that for a few years of just you know people thinking your character is one way and just need to go out and prove them otherwise. It just it just motivated me more, to be honest. Well, that's the it's it's the interesting part of I always love hearing the athlete side of it because when it comes to like whenever you hear somebody like, Oh, that's the business side of the sport, that's the business side of the sport, it's like always the teams always get a pass because it's the business side of the sport. Whether they trade somebody, oh, it's just the business of the sport, or they they don't cut somebody, you know, or they cut somebody from the team, that's just the business side of the sport. And then when a player like kind of plays the business side of the sport a little bit, it's 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 always like look at this, look at this guy. You should have yeah. what, what was best for the team. And like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what I, that's what I always try to tell people. Right. And, 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 and we talk about that on this podcast a lot. Your career is short. RJ Umberger is not an old man. And, and you had your hockey career, right? So the careers are short. Even if you have a good long career, it's yeah. still short. You've got to get what you can get when you can get it. And it's not all about the money, but like, like you said, if a team's coming in and lowballing you, that's the equivalent of a player coming in and being like, oh, I want three times as much as the next guy, like at my same level. The, the ridicule always comes back on the player. And it, 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 it's just it's very interesting to hear your side of the story, because it, it could not have been easy as a 22 year old kid to be like, I'm not playing hockey this year. Yeah, it was, and it was really tough. And and like I said, it, it probably started out about the money because the contract wasn't where it was, and obviously it's why it started and why the, my agents gave me the the um, you know the advice they did. But it, it turned into so much more. And um, I know I remember one point uh, we met with them, and it was probably like November, and you know they gave us even worse offer, and <laughs> you know their hardball and. And I walked away and looked at my agents and was just shaking my head and, and they could tell I was frustrated. And, and so we went our own ways and, and I, I heard about this from them later on, the two agents talking together said, yeah, I think he's going to fire us. You know, so <laughs> they could tell it, but then, but 
that wasn't it. Like I, I was sticking to my, it was nothing about that. I, I was sticking to my, my guns and my morals the whole time. And, you know, I was, I believed in what we were doing and, you know, it all worked out in the end, right? Like it, it always does. Um, you do things, things happen for a reason. And I ended up in Philly, which I was had a great, uh, you know, I'm so glad I ended up there to start my career. Yeah. So I'm excited about this because there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about with you in Philly. Uh, but uh, I love talking about this uh, with, with any athlete we, we have on. So you wind up in Philly, you eventually make your way up to the flyers. You're, you're getting ready to make your NHL debut do you, can you still, like, if you close your eyes, can you still feel that feeling of like, oh shit, I am, I've got the Phillies or the Flyers sweater on. I'm getting ready to go make my debut. You come out of the tunnel the first time you're playing in an NHL game. Like, can you still feel that? Can you still feel what you were feeling in that game? Well, yeah. So that, I was actually, I started that season with the, uh, the Phantoms and, yeah. um, I played the first, you know, three to four weeks with the Phantoms and I was on a, like a long road trip and we was like a three and three somewhere up East and um, Keith Primu got <laughs> hurt and, and brought me in. So I remember getting that call and I mean, I had it like, it, it was just like chaos from that moment, right? Like calling everybody, say, telling them that, you know, I'm playing, got to get to Ottawa, I'm playing in the game, and calling my wife, like, hey, you need to get out here. My parents are like, oh, whatever, you know, like, and then I get in the car, and I'm driving, like, this car service is taking me there. It's like, I forget how many hours it was, three, four hours, and I'm driving. I'm going to get there on time, and, you know, I got to hurry up and get there and get dressed, and just, like, the emotions and the nerves, like, all in one, and you're sitting there, and it's like, well, all right, before you know it, hey, you're you're going out playing your first NHL game, and... Uh on the ice and it's just it was crazy and you know i played a, i played a solid five minutes that night <laughs> oh good. all right all right just dip your five toe minutes. in just dip uh, your toe in the water got hit twice really hard <laughs> so Kara uh, Kara dropped me behind the net so it was uh it was it was a good trip it was all worth it and uh and he got it on video and got my first nhl game Dude, I'm glad you said that because, like, I, I one of the questions I had written down here is you took some of the hardest <laughs> hits I think I've ever seen in my years watching hockey. Like, I know, I know you just said Chara, but is is there anyone that sticks out? And is there anyone that also sticks out that you might have got, I don't know, revenge on, gotten a scrap with? Like, is there any good stories there? Well, obviously, the the first one sticks out the Campbell hit. Yep. That was my rookie. Yeah. Playoffs. Um, obviously, got hit in Buffalo there. Um, and, you know, he caught me with my head down um, coming across the blue line there. And, you know, I bobbled the puck and that's kind of why my uh, head was down. And you don't expect it from, uh, you know, more of a, he was kind of offensive and, you know, smaller, you don't expect it from him, but he, you know, he really gave it to me pretty hard. And you know, if you, you YouTube or whatever, and I still get people sending me messages and it's, you know, obviously a hit that's never, okay, but, um, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, <laughs> people sending me messages right. now, like, "Hey, man, are you okay?" <laughs> yeah, both fans funny still. So, um, but uh, it is that, and I mean, obviously, I've I've got hit a bunch of times. Uh, Stewart got me a couple times. Um, I think Cronwell got me some. Uh, I know I know I got hit pretty hard in the one playoff year with uh, Blue Jackets there at home. Um, yeah. by Detroit. So, I mean, there's been a bunch. There's probably too many to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for so many reasons. Uh, yeah. So, 
so you're 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 making a career out of it with the Flyers, which you know I, I read a great article with your parents, uh, uh, and we'll get to the series in a minute, uh, the Eastern Conference Final. But you guys, you know, you're you're a Western Pennsylvania family. That's a Penguins family. Uh, and you go to the Flyers. So I had to be a little bit of an adjustment to put the orange and the black on over there. Uh, but it's really like your third year in Philly, man. You just bust out. You see, you got 50 points. Uh, you go insane in the playoffs that year. Is that the year where you felt like, okay, like, you know, after all the shit that went on at the beginning and then kind of having to make my way through, I've had this 50-point year. I've had this amazing playoff year. Like, I'm here. Like, it's all behind, and now it's all up from here. Yeah, so, you know, I got off to a really good start my rookie year. Um, played with Jeff Carter a lot on the line, and, you know, we did a lot of good things. We turned into our probably a number two line of the team, and, um, you know, we had some success and, you know, hit 20 goals that year, and, and things seemed great. Um, I got that, that Campbell hit in the playoffs. Um, we got the concussion, and um, that summer just wasn't myself. It, it took me a long time to recover from it. Um, had some you know, just some things in my, like trying to get through it. And, uh, my training was off. I went into that season in August, like in September with very, barely training, um, not in great shape, um, confidence level, not great. Just, it, it, it just transferred over to that second year. And, um, our team as a team didn't do well either. I think we were the worst team in the league. So you put all that together, it made a miserable second year and, uh, you know, it really put me, I got, you know, was feeling healthy again, obviously. And going into that third year really was a kind of like, uh, you know, like let's get it back together, get the train back going the right way here. And um, really committed in the off season. Um, my cousin was my trainer most of my life. I called him up one day. I said, Hey, quit your job. Come out and live with me. Um, so I built a gym in my, in yes. my basement. Okay. And uh, he lived with me and, um, and we, Really crazy hard all summer went after it he and he put pushed me to different levels and i went into that third year with so much confidence so much speed so much just ready to go and, and it definitely propelled me to a great uh third year there and it all came together at the playoff time had a great playoff and um you know from there on it was just it, it was my my uh that was my, how I wanted to train from now on every summer. Like it had to be like that. So, yeah. Like, he's like, all right, I'll pack a bag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it led to a lot. Like, you know, he quit his insurance job and he came out and he did that. Cause that was his first love anyway. So it gave us the opportunity yeah. to, to get back to him training me. And then uh, from there we ended up opening up a gym back in Pittsburgh um, from that moment on. And um, you know, cool. that kind of was the start to it. So that's so yeah. cool. That is so cool. Well, let's talk. I mean, let's let's talk about that playoff run. Let's bit, talk man. about like, you that. Guys, you, you guys weren't favored uh, against the Caps or Habs at all, but you closed out the Caps in seven uh, in the first round, and then you took out the Habs in five. Dude, that Montreal series, you were on a tear. A dude. tear. Eight goals in five games. A tear. Like, like you dominated that series. Like, like, like Montreal had no answer for you. Like, was that the hottest you've ever felt? Yeah, it, it had to be. Um, it was just one of those moments you're just in the zone, right? And it's yeah. what it all started too was because, like, I, I mean, like I said, I had a great year, and I got hurt right towards the end of the year, um, sprained my knee, and I missed like six games. I came back 
um, for the last like two of the regular season. But at that time, you know, the lines kind of ch- uh, got changed. Uh, somebody stepped up in my absence. That line was doing really well. So I came back and I'm, I'm playing on the fourth line to start playoffs and, um, you know, not getting a ton of ice and, you know, confidence down a little bit and, but just, you know, pushing through and um, I scored a couple uh, big moments in that Washington series, yeah. but really, um, you know, obviously we had a big game seven win, just, you know, feeling good about that. And then Montreal came and it was like, I don't know, is this something clicked? Um, <laughs> it started on the fourth line that, uh, that game. And then, um, first game. And then all of a sudden it's a couple goals go in and it just kept going from there. And, you know, it's funny. Cause like, I remember thinking like every game too, like, man, I'm, I'm feeling it and I'm in the zone right now. Like, uh, how am I, how am I not going to be stopped tonight? Like, that's, that's just how you feel when yeah. you're in this. It was one of those moments and it was a series that probably I'll never forget. Um, be honest with you. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You got, you got Montreal over there. They're pulling Carey Price trying to just how we like, we just got to figure out how to stop fucking Umberger. Like he is tearing us up. They're pulling carry price. That doesn't work. You're scoring goals. And every goal, you, every goal you scored, it either, either felt like you started the game with a goal or like you guys would get out to a lead and then Montreal would start coming back a little bit. And then you would just bury one to put Montreal away. Like it was just like, it was daggers. It was, it literally is one of the greatest uh, greatest playoff series for an individual performer literally ever like eight goals in five games is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's definitely probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, just the, you know, that team we, we were, we kind of, you know, overachieved that, that year guys kind of didn't think much of us and we just kept winning and, um, made some good additions, trade deadline. And, uh, Marty Baron was in net for us and he got really hot in that yes. series. And, you know, he loved playing against Montreal too. And um, I don't know, it's just something when we were in that building and, you know, those fans chanting and then you, you just quieting that crowd. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's how I feel when I golf and I have one par in a row and I'm like, who's going to stop me now. <laughs> and then I bang one into the trees. Uh, so then the next matchup and obviously not as, not as favorable as an outcome of an outcome for you guys as the flyers, but a dream matchup, right? Like, Eastern Conference Finals, the dream matchup for a, a Pennsylvania guy. You've got the Flyers and the Pens. Uh, and that's 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 basically like, uh, you know, you can't get the Flyers and the Pens in the Stanley Cup final. So this is as close as you can get to that. Uh, you know, what was it like taking part in that series as a Pittsburgh kid on the Flyers? And then again, like I said before, I, I read a, a Trib Live story that uh, from years ago that they did on your parents that like they were like, how are you? How are you handling this allegiance to the Penguins with your son on the Flyers? And they're like, we buy everything with the Flyers. Like we're Flyers fans. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it, that was quite the series. I mean, that was something fun. Um, you know, that was special to be able to do that um, and go into Pittsburgh and play. And you know, we thought we were going to win. Like, like I'm thinking, and I know guys on the team. Like we're rolling, like we're we're gonna we're going on to the Stanley Cup and we're gonna win the Stanley Cup. So, um, you know, obviously it was a disappointment to not go, not win in Pittsburgh. They were good. I mean, obviously they lost in uh, to Detroit that year, then won it next year. So, um, you know, they were peaking. They had obviously dynamite players and Crosby and Malkin, and um, you know, we took a blow early on in that series. We lost Kimo Teeman into a blood clot, and then we yeah. lost one of our other 
defensemen too. So um, it was just too much for us to overcome. And, you know, they, they, they were th- th- that time, they were tough for us. They had our number and um, you know, we just couldn't beat them, but it was, I think it was really fun for my family, my friends to be able to do it. Um, they were conflicted. Obviously they would, they would cheer for me, but root for the penguins. My friend. <laughs> but um, I talk about some like just cool times though, cool memories for all of them to be at those um, not only at a playoff game, but at a playoff game where one of your, your friends is playing is um, it was pretty neat. So, um, they did. They enjoyed it, but there was definitely um, some some heat to it. You know, like yeah. uh, my in laws wearing uh, one of my jerseys in Pittsburgh and just getting you know things thrown at them. So <laughs> it was uh, it was definitely uh, the rivalry was definitely there, and it was good. It was going strong. Listen, RJ, we love you, buddy, but yeah. like totally yeah. f you, go Pens. <laughs> listen, li- yeah. listen, listen. We hope you have five points. Uh, and the Penguins win 6-5. That's okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's pretty what my friends would tell me. Yeah, You get yeah. it, right? You yeah. get it. You uh, understand it. Yeah. Right. So, af- all right, well, oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. No, all right. Go ahead, Chad. After that scene. Oh, fine, fine, <laughs> fine. It's, it's, it's my world. You're just living in it, Mike. Uh, now, after that season, man, you were dealt back to Columbus, to the, to the Blue Jackets. When, you know, when you got that news, what went through your mind besides maybe going to the library and having a few, few, few sodas? Yeah. So, um, well, after that playoffs, you knew, uh, my contract was up and then they were salary cap trouble Philly. So you knew there was going to be some kind of casualty, um, whether it's myself or there was talks on maybe Mike Canuble or, or somebody, it, you know, they had Jeff Carter and Mike Richards, they had to resign to and everything. So, um, you know, with, with the playoff that I had in the season, it, you know, a raise was in order and it just kind of made sense. And I happened to be traveling actually down to Hilton Head that time and um, stopped at a friend's house along the way and went and had some, uh, we went and golfed and um, my dad called me while I was golfing. He's like, I hear the rumors that you might, you might get traded to Columbus. And I'm like, yeah, all right, dad, don't bother me with this. I'm playing golf right now. So I got <laughs> golf I'm just sitting there getting ready to eat my meal and I get a phone call and it's, uh, it's Hitchcock from Columbus and they just traded for me. So, um, obviously, you know, at that moment I was, you know, kind of shocked. I think he knew it was coming, but still shocked to hear it when it actually does. And, you know, a lot of emotions go through. So that night kind of went really fast talking to so many different people. And, you know, I don't even think I finished my meal that night, (laughs) but, um, you know, so I was at first, you know, you're like, Okay, well, Columbus, I've, you know, okay, I've been there before. And then I started to think about it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really cool. Like, go back to where, you know, I played college and, you know, I, I know so many people and, and it's kind of close to home. And, oh, man, like, this is going to be great. Like, okay, I got more and more excited about it than talking to Hitch and, you know, talking to different people in Columbus. Like, they were really pumped about it. So, um, you know, I couldn't wait to, to finally come back and, and get settled in here. By the way, did, side note, did, side note, did you ever drink beers at the library at all? Do you remember that bar? <laughs> oh, really? Uh, no, in, uh, in Columbus, in Columbus. Oh, oh the, you know, so yeah, 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 oh, college, yeah. So actually, it's funny, thing, <laughs> it's funny you say that, though, because the library, there's a restaurant called the Library out in Philly where I lived, and um, oh, okay. they had, a, like, amazing steak, uh, teriyaki steak, so, oh. like, we would go there all day. But yeah, the library, yeah, back in college, I had to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, it sounds like yeah. you have some oh, yeah. stories from the library, remember, buddy. Like, Oh, no. I mean, well, I mean, I have a bunch of stories from the library, but 
the the one time the one time I went and visited my friends at Ohio State, we went out, we started drinking at the library, and my mom it called me for whatever reason late at night for some reason. And she goes, what are you doing right now, Chad? I go, I'm at the library. <laughs> like, like, she did, like she thought I was studying. She thought I was like wasted studying. And I'm like, but like I wasn't lying. Like I was at the library. <laughs> I was just uh, not Leave studying. Me alone, Mom. <laughs> uh, so listen, you, you come to Columbus, a, a, a franchise at that point that had never made the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, a franchise that, again, younger fans or, you know, fans in general kind of get it. But like, the the way that expansion teams worked back in the day is not the way expansion teams work anymore. Yeah. And and Columbus basically just gets dealt this hand of like good luck to you and and it takes them a long time to figure it out and and so you come in this is a team that has never made the postseason and your first season in Columbus is just an indisputable success. Not only do you build off of what you did in Philly the year before, you score the most most goals of your entire career that first year in Columbus. Uh, but for the first time in franchise history, you guys find yourself, the, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets find themselves in the playoffs. Uh, just what do you remember about the buzz of the city at that time and, and, and how starving that fan base was for, for that playoff appearance? Yeah, that year was, it was special. Um, you know, we, uh, we were underdogs all year and, you know, no one took us really seriously and, you know, they made some, some good moves that year with uh, bringing in Commodore and Salius and myself and kind of just revamped the team a little bit. Um, had some other good veterans like Pekka and Chimera and Jan Heda. And, you know, it was um, it was a good group, group that was determined. And, you know, Steve Mason came, you know, in and as a rookie year was one of the most best goaltending I think I've maybe ever seen um, that year. He was absolutely lights out and it was a fun year. Just uh, the ride, you know, seeing, uh, you know, you go around town and I would see some Ohio state guys and they're like, yeah, you guys are doing pretty good. Are you for real? You think you guys pulled it together? And, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. We, you know, just keep following us and just slowly seeing the town, you know, right. more and more fans. Coming. And then, you know, really the, the, the turn, the page starting to turn a little bit and, you know, I'll never forget when, you know, Nash scored to clinch our first playoff and uh, how, how exciting it was and how uh, how great we felt and, you know, how thrilled we were. And um, to get into the playoffs, obviously, just um, we, we played Detroit and we just weren't there yet. We were, uh, you know, they they were a world-class team and we were a team that was just getting our feet wet. So, um, you know, it was, uh, it was what it was, but it was a great experience. I love your old buddies from Ohio State. Oh, you guys might, you guys think you're going to keep it together? <laughs> yeah, Ted, yeah. how's your job at the bank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so uh, the other coolest thing, you're, you're, you're an all-time trivia answer. You're an all-time trivia answer for the rest of your life and into history, you are a trivia yeah. answer because you scored the first goal in Blue Jackets playoff history. Just kind of walk us through that moment. Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't in the first game. <laughs> no, no, that's true. <laughs> it was a uh, game in Detroit. Um, the uh, the puck, I think, got chipped into the corner, or Jake Voracek skated into the corner. I think he tracked it down in the corner, and he beat his guy in there, and he won the battle. And obviously, I went to the front end of the net because that's kind of what I did. And Jake just threw it uh, to me in front, and I actually had like caught it on like turn, and like had a turn and quickly backhand it, and it. 
Um, I think it was so fast that it caught uh, Osgood by surprise and it went through his legs. So, um, yeah, cool trivia question. Um, wish we could have scored more of that game, though. <laughs> yeah, right. But I think it's cool. Listen, well, I think it's uh, cool. It's just, you know, there are those moments. I don't know how many of them you could do. I don't, you know, some some players are like savants about like, uh, at, at minute 13 of this random game in December, I did this. But there are those yeah. moments where, again, you can, you can just sit here and describe, you know, it was Voracek. And he, he did like, it just probably is still so clear to you that uh, I think that's, I think that's just the coolest part about hearing that story. Chad, sorry. I thought you, I cut you off. I cut you off. No. You were talking, Chad. And I know, no, you, I know how sensitive no. you are. Like I said, man. Like I said, man, it's your world. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I could, okay, so this doesn't really have anything to do with the, you know, the playoffs, but you're, it's with your time at the Jackets, man, because you were one of the reasons that we had such a rivalry with the Blues, man. I remember one game, you got into it and at the Blues room, like before the game, and then we went out and just beat the ever-loving shit out of them, man. What, 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 what happened? To, what was the story there? Yeah, so I guess I could probably tell that's the full story now. So it was at home, uh, kind of like when you're in your rinks, right? Like both teams will warm up and they'll play soccer and whatnot. And, but usually it's like you're on two separate air- ends of the rink, right? Like no one yeah. at each other. Well, we were in like the Zamboni area. That's kind of like where we always warmed up. And, you know, they were – there wasn't a great area, I guess, for the visiting team to warm up in uh, Adisha White or I don't know where they do now, but – um, so they were kind of in our area, right? And our guys were playing soccer and they kind of had to move a little bit over. And it just like, we didn't have good blood between the two teams already. Like we, the way it always went, like we just didn't like each other. And, um, I didn't play soccer when I warmed up, but, um, it just, I, I had to be the guy, like I had to go off by my myself and just like get myself mentally right. I, you know, I'd stretch, do some running, just get myself fired up. I listened to some, some music and, and whatever. So I'm, I mean, I'm doing my sprints and like they're right where I'm running. Like I want to run like, and I have, and I'm like very, uh, um, you know, routine, like, right. Like superstition. Yeah. Same, same order, same time, like same times running the same spot, you know, in every rink I play, I, you know, I have my thing. And so they're there in my, in my way. And I'm, it's just like, it's pissing me off. Right. So, and I'm, so I run through them. Like I run through their game and, and, you know, they didn't like it. And, you know, so we get into a little, you know, chirping back and forth. And the next thing you know, like I get surrounded by like five or six third guys. No. <laughs> like, oh. this, this is going to get ugly. Like there's going to be blows thrown. So our guys came over and they, you know, they broke it up. But I mean, it definitely like, you know, reporters and people took notice. And <laughs> you know, obviously he did that really fast, but it always pissed off. Like, I'm like, I thought like, get these people, get them out of here. This is our space. Like, this is how disrespectful this is our rank. Like, this is our area. Go somewhere else. Like they shouldn't have been there. And that's what pissed me off. And I think anybody ever know, knows me, that just knows that kind of, I, I, you know, carried it like on my sleeve of my, like I just showed my yeah. lot. Right. Like, so right. you know, I didn't hold things back. And, and that's kind of the way I was like, I, I was, you, you saw what you got from me and, um, yeah, you know, it led that get into that game. There was a lot of emotion for that game, and you know, we came out and fired up, obviously. And, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, were you, yeah, you were kind of like you were, you were kind of like a goalie. Everybody knew, like, like, let RJ do his thing before the game, let RJ do his thing. 
just he's gonna be, go off to the side and be a little psycho. So just let him go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love picturing you just running through some random circle soccer yeah. game. It's like I'm doing this. Yeah, like, what an idiot. No, no. Hey, listen, the, the team had your back. That's what we love to see. Uh, yeah. So uh, where were we? There we go. Uh, so following that first year, you get named alternate captain. And alongside Rick Nash, you guys, you dotting that A on your jersey for four seasons. So first of all, you know, that Nash-Umberger kind of connection there for several years, uh, what kind of bond were you able to form with Rick? Uh, and, and uh, you know, what did it mean to you to really be, you know, considered by your, by your teammates, by your coaches, the organization to be a real leader for that team? Yeah, it was uh, a huge responsibility and something that I really took serious and very honored, to be honest with you. Um, you know, if you're captain of any NHL team or any team, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big responsibility. And, um, you know, I looked up to Rick a lot. I, I thought he was, you know, obviously an unbelievable player, but a great guy off the ice. Um, and, you know, he was he was a captain. And um, But I think I thought Rick and I worked well together. Um, I thought there was a mutual respect there and, you know, a friendship and, you know, we still keep in touch and we still see each other here. Our kids play together. Um, so it's fun to see each other. And, but, um, you know, I think we leaned on each other a lot. Um, Rick's a little bit quieter, you know, I can be quiet too, but when I have something to say, like I'll say it. So, you know, there were some moments where, you know, I said some of the tough things in the locker room and whatnot. And, um, but, um, I thought, uh, you know, we we did the best we could right like we we probably underachieved for a yeah. few years and, and things didn't go after that first playoff year the way we wanted to and um you know end of the day i think we took a lot of responsibility at least we tried to and um you know just always wanted to be better but um we definitely both both took the role seriously and um i think we enjoyed working together obviously true or false there's a there was that story that was reported for you and rick that uh uh, when Claude Noel took over as the coach, he called a weekend practice and then didn't come to the weekend practice. So you and Rick put the team through a practice anyways. Did that happen? Sure. Sure. Love it. All right. You know, what is, like, it, 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 I mean, what a, what a statement for, for you two guys. And, and, and was there any grief from the team or was it like, all right, like these are our leaders. We're going to go, we're, we're doing this practice. Uh, no, there wasn't any grief. It was more like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> it was just kind of, just weird. Like he just took over and like things are like Claude, Claude was, he was a great guy. He did some, you know, really strange things and, and things that we were all just trying to get accustomed to and, and, and try to make the best of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a different, interesting moment. I, I can honestly say that's the only time that's ever happened in my career. <laughs> Listen, you guys have practice this weekend. Yeah. I've got a tea time. So go ahead and take care of that, and I'll yeah. see you at the game. Like, no, didn't even tell us. Like, just didn't, like, we had practice, and then no coaches came out. So it was like, all right, well, actually, I can't, like, this, maybe a couple assistants might have came out, or so I can't remember, but it was just like, yeah, like we we basically had control, and it was just it was strange. Yeah, but we we made the best of it. The next time you saw him, was he like, "Oh yeah, sorry," or was he just like, "Just moved on"? Gosh, to be honest, I don't know. I don't. I think we didn't even talk about it. To be honest with you, I don't. It was so long ago. Somebody's just gonna be like, "Yeah." Uh, did you, you know what? I heard. 
I heard he was in the building too, just watching. So I don't even know. Maybe maybe that was the test. Maybe you guys passed the test. Yeah. You and I think so. you and Nash took the took the reins and passed the test. Uh, uh, so again, like you said, those seasons uh, after that playoff appearance didn't probably go the way that everybody was hoping. Uh, but I think you said it right when we were talking about your playoff season. You guys were just getting that taste of it, and you weren't maybe quite where you needed to be to make that true sustained playoff push, as we saw. Uh, but a few years down the road, uh, the, the the dynamic duo there gets broken up, and and uh, and the Jackets trade and the Jackets trade Nash. What's the feeling and the emotion for you when that happens? <laughs> Yeah, that was a hard moment. Um, it wasn't even just Nash. It was some of my other guys that I've become pretty close with at the time. Uh, you know, like Broussard, um, yeah. you know, Mason was on um, thought. Just some guys that since I got there were there. Vorchek always was gone a year or two before that. And, um, you know, so you're starting to see a lot of familiar faces. Uh, Dorset left. Um, you know, guys were, were leaving. So that that was a hard hard to think to adjust, but again, that's the business aspect. You have to just keep moving on. Um, but you know, they did a great job and they brought a lot of quality character guys and guys like Jack Johnson and, uh, Dubinsky to time. And, and, um, you know, Mark Latestu came in and guys that, um, other, you know, new leaders and new guys that, um, wore the Jersey really well. And, and so it was a changing of the guards kind of a thing. And, um, which was really different because Rick had been there for so long. So, um, you know, it was, it was hard at first. You just started listening to those, those names that I just thought, you know what, maybe we're just making it a goal here on the garage beers podcast to get like the entire 2013, uh, Columbus blue jackets <laughs> roster, because like yeah. everybody you listed, we, we've had on, which is awesome. And we think that is, uh, okay. We love talking to you guys, but, uh, uh, so here we are. Five years at because you go you you oh go ahead Chad Chad wants to no I was gonna say but before we get off your career before we get off of your career here RJ I don't know I don't know if it was like this back in college because I know nowadays you got to wear the full cage but you were a no visor guy like was there a reason for that or did you just didn't like them or yeah it started you know you start out your career it was the old stigma of you know you're you're a wimp if you're wearing a visor right like you're a tough, tough <laughs> yeah. guy or no, no no visor and I was a big player. I wanted to play a, a bigger style, you know, in front of the net kind of, you know, power forward kind of style. And, and, you know, I, I wasn't going to wear a visor and then I mean, it quickly started to change, obviously like, you know, the, the stigma and, you know, the head, head shots and all that and the concussion talk. And, you know, I mean, I constantly got, got it from my parents and my family, like put a visor on, put a visor on. <laughs> yeah. I think coaches and, you know, when JD came, JD wanted everybody to have visors and whatnot. Like I just was too stubborn in my ways. Like I did think it was a vision thing, like after playing so long without it, like I didn't want it. And yeah, I just, I wasn't going to, I probably never would have put one on. <laughs> your wife's over there. Like RJ, have I mentioned how much I love your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, again, we we're going to move off of the career. You went back to Philly after your time, uh, in Columbus, you go back to Philly, uh, and, uh, you wrap up your career there and here we are five years later, which has got to be just incredible to believe. Uh, and, and now you're kind of, you're getting back in the coaching game. You're back in the game. Obviously you've, uh, you've got kids, uh, kids growing up playing sports. You've got a son, uh, by the way, can we talk about this for a minute? Cause you talked about your cousin, 
coming in and like living with you and training you and getting you in like the best shape of your life. Uh, I want to talk about you as a dad for a minute. Uh, you built, uh, I want to say this was back in like 2017 or something in the house. You built the coolest playroom for your son ever. It's you built an entire room in your house that baby basically is like a mini sticks hockey rink. Yeah. Does that still get used? Yeah, it gets used probably not as much as I wanted to, but it's, you know, it probably was more of a thing that I was building it from my childhood. Right. Like yes. that was my entire mini hockey sticks in the hallways and every, you know, trip we went on for, for hockey. But um, yeah, my son, he plays with it. Um, it might be a little bit too big, actually, like too long of a room um, for it. Like that I re- made it a little smaller, but um, it, it, yeah, it, I, I kind of actually want to turn it into like a synthetic ice room now, but I haven't quite um, committed. to that, So I don't know. It, we'll see. I don't know. I think you should open that up to like your buddies. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like a, a, a mid thirties dude. And I'm looking at that room going, man, just a six pack of beer and some mini sticks. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. If you forget how bad it is on your knees. Like I think as a kid, like you just there, I do it now. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, my knees. Like I can't do this for more than like 15 on for a week. All right, kid. I got to go watch the football game. You play. All right. Uh, uh, so, uh, again, you've been coaching, uh, U16, U18. Uh, so just kind of talk about that. Be, talk about just being in the coaching game. Is that something you were interested in when you were a player? Did you always think kind of after your career? I, and I think that's such a natural progression, but you'd want to get into the coaching game. And is, is there somewhere you want to go with that? Yeah, I think coaching was something I always kind of wanted to do. Um, you know, I always was very uh into the x's and o's part of the game i took it pretty serious and, and followed it pretty pretty naturally so um i th- always thought i could think the game pretty well um so i think you know but because you could play though it doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach so you, you have to be able to learn to translate to the players and you have to also be willing to learn um you know the game's changing there's so much about coaching that's different and so i'm still you know figuring it out and learning along the way too but you know, trying to teach these kids as much as I know that I can, can give to them, but it's fun. It's, um, it's a way to stay connected to the game, right? Like it's just that it brings out the competitiveness, um, you know, practices and, and, you know, skill stuff like that. That's one thing. But when you coach a team in an actual game, that's pretty neat. Like you, you get, you get your, your competitive juices get going and like you get really into it. And, but it's really weird because it's challenging because you can't go out and do anything. So it's, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going in. (laughs) You'll be in a tight game and it's like, you get nervous a little bit, but it's like, man, if I was a player, like I wouldn't even be nervous thinking about this. I'd be like, just waiting to pour over the boards and go. But as a coach, like you can't go do that. You have no, really no control. So it's, um, it's a different type of thing. Yeah, that, uh, you know, it's, have you, do you notice anything like almost generationally, like with, with players now that you have to adjust to and, and like as a whole that you have to adjust to that was different from like when you were coming up? Well, I think there's a lot of rules that are changing in just in USA hockey and whatnot. Um, the hitting is changing quite a bit. Um, you know, there, there's not that, uh, like when I played at the youth level, like we wanted to run around, just kill you. 
like see who can get the biggest hit, right? Like that was the the, the cool thing to do, and, and that that is gone from hockey now, and um, it still hangs on a little bit. And those players that do, and those teams that do, just find themselves in trouble. So there's there's a way of learning. You know, they need to learn and, and play through the new rules. It's a lot of stick on stick kind of contact. Um, you know, it's a puck possession game. So teaching these kids to you know make plays with the puck and, and don't dump it and chase and just throw it and and that kind of old teaching and, and old North American habits is kind of gone now so um, it's challenging for these guys and it's fun to, to to help them through it all right RJ Umberger before we let you out of here we got to talk a little bit about this year's blue jackets uh, and and what's going on with the team obviously it was a tough year last year uh, kind of what you experienced when you were with the Blue Jackets on players, uh, Rick Nash and company being dealt out. That was kind of the year that, that Blue Jackets fans dealt with this last year uh, with fan favorites like Nick Felino, David Savard, Riley Nash, uh, all leaving the coach. Obviously, Tortorella gone at the end of the year. Seth Jones departs in the offseason, completely expected. And then all of a sudden, as he's signing autographs at Nationwide Arena, basically during the draft party, uh, Cam Atkinson dealt uh, to Philly. Uh, so it just an incredible amount of turnover for the Jackets this year. Uh, you know, we talked about a little bit about what it was like for you to be a player in a circumstance that saw a pretty good amount of turnover. But like if you let's say let's put on your coaching hat for a minute. If you were a part of the coaching staff for this team, uh, that's that's going to have to basically re-gel all over again. You know, how do you help the team? What kind of advice do you give these players going into the season? Well, ultimately, it's going to be the players ready, um, willing to just buy in and uh, all come together as quick as possible. And, you know, it'll be a challenge at first, but um, nothing that's not not they can't do. Um, you know, not a lot of new faces um, just means more more players determined and, and, and more opportunity. Um, you know, they brought some good players in. They have a lot of talent. It's just getting it together. So um, there's always that underdog chip on your shoulder type of thing here in Columbus. And I think that mentality has got to stay for a, for a while for, for this team to continue to be successful. And, you know, if they have that, that mentality of, you know, prove everybody kind of wrong kind of a thing, um, you know, it goes a long way. And I think, um, you know, this team doesn't have to be as good as last year, the year before, the year before that. Like, it, they're a new team. They got to be the best team they can be this year. And, you know, they need different guys to step up and lead. Um, Boone will be there, obviously, but there's going to be an opportunity for new new people to come in and lead. And, um, you know, I think it'll be a good challenge for them. And, um, you know, hopefully they can get off to a good start, get the confidence up early. But, um you know, I, it'll be it'll be an interesting year to see see what happens. Yeah, and, and then enter in Brad Larson, who joined the Jackets the same year. You know, you were dealt back to Philly. You know, what are, what are your impressions and expectations of Lars? So, I mean, I could see why you know a lot of the players uh, wanted him to be the coach. Um, I, I met Lars was around uh, in the minors, obviously, my first couple years or my last couple years in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, him at training camps and, and whatnot and you know just talking to him he's obviously a lot of experience um very um very educated very intense um he's you know player friendly he's he, you know he's a player's coach um but he you know he demands a lot and that's a good thing so 
Um, you know, he's learned from one of the best in Tortorella. So, you know, obviously he, they've left him in good hands and I think they have high expectations for him. And I think, um, you know, these players are excited to play for him. And that's a good thing too. So, um, you know, hopefully a lot of good things to come and, you know, you, you see him here for a long time. You know, you brought this name up a couple of times because we're talking about the turnover of the roster. You brought this name up a couple of times. There's probably not a lot of better players to, to give us a little insight, but enter in Jake Voracek again, uh, who, who is going to bring a little veteran leadership. I know everybody was completely blindsided by Cam uh, being dealt back to Philly, but here comes Voracek again. What can he do for this team? This is a team that, like you said, it's not devoid of talent. Uh, there's, there's guys on this team that have not put up the numbers that they hope to slash are expected to. Can a guy like Voracek, a veteran like that, come in and, and help open things up for this team? Yeah, you know, Jake's going to bring the same kind of attitude he always has. You know, he's a little bit carefree, um, good for the locker room. He's, um, you know, just an all-around great guy. Like, there's not a person in the world that doesn't get along with Jake. And, um, I mean, can the guy, that guy can play hockey. Like, he, he can really play. He's a, he's a great player. He's still a good player. He has years left in him. Um, you know, he's probably coming here, I would assume, a little bit motivated um, coming back to Columbus, probably not how the last year went in Philly for him. And, um, you know, he should do great things here. He's very familiar, so he'll be comfortable. Um, you know, I'm sure he still has contacts here in Columbus and everything. And he's a guy that is is going to be good for the team because he's going to be a possession type guy. He can hang on to the puck. He can move, take it up and down the ice. He can. Uh, he's an amazing playmaker. Um, you know, the fans from before would probably remember, like he, he moves the puck so well, especially on the power play. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how, if he's able to develop some chemistry with Lane um, here and, um, you know, see if they're able to, to get some chemistry and gel together and, and see what it could do for his game. I mean, having a guy like Jake pass through the puck, it could be, it could be a dynamite situation. So uh, I'm sure that's what Yarmo's hoping on. And, um, we shall see, but I know Jake's uh, he's a heck of a player and, you know, they're lucky to have him. Now this may seem like a dumb question. Probably. And I've been known to ask a bunch <laughs> of them, RJ. <laughs> but, you know, like, like, like we talked about gelling when it comes to hockey, you know, like systems don't change that much from coach to coach. Uh, so when you, so when you talk about gelling in hockey, is that like a communication thing between the guys? Is it like a feel thing? Like, 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 like if Jake's, you know, if, if Jake and Pat and, and Line got a two on one going down the ice, does Jake, is Jake just assuming he knows where Line is going to be? Like, what's that communication like? And how, like, how, how does, how does gelling become a thing? Become a, I guess, yeah, become a thing. <laughs> Pretty dynamic uh, question. Cause I mean, there's a lot to it. Like there's, there's an off ice aspect to it. I think, um, you know, getting along and, and being friends off the ice means something. I know like anytime I've had lines that worked really well, like, like we were, you know, as a line, yeah. we were off the ice. We went to dinner together, things like that. Um, it helps. Okay. I think on ice, um, your games need to match up a little bit. Um, same styles or not the same exact styles, but like styles that, that could work together. Um, you know, like somebody that you can't have two guys that want the puck the whole time. You can't have two guys that, you know, just, um, 
you know, one guy's kind of all over the map and you can't just figure out where he, where he's going to be and, and, and things like that. And, and I think that also you got to have, um, confidence and trust from a coach, um, and, and a little bit of a freeway given where you can go out and know that you can go on as a line or whatever, and just, you know, do what you want to do and play how you want to play and, and let your, your skill and stuff take over. Um, sometimes when you're restricted on that end, it could be a little tough. So, um, I mean, there's so much to it. Um, sometimes it's just you, confidence, right? Like it, you, you have one game together and it's all of a sudden it's like, it just builds and builds. Or, you know, if you play the first game together and, you know, it just doesn't work out. And then you know, there's a lot of negativity in there, right? Like it's, it's, it's blocking it. It's just not working. And so now you're forcing it. Now you're trying too hard. And um, sometimes some of the best lines and combinations just happen, right? Like it just, this guy works hard and he works hard in areas where it just complements where I'm always at or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's, there's no right or right rhyme or reason to some of it sometimes. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. Now I have one more question for you and I know Mike has one more to finish it out here, RJ, but uh, mine is uh, a bit different, but uh, have you seen this documentary on the Danbury trashers yet? I have not. No, I'm not. Oh, Dude, you have got to check it out. It is <laughs> unreal. What is it? It is about it. it it's it, it. It was this U-Haul team called the Danbury Trashers. Okay. And it, it, it's it was run by uh, the Galante family. This guy's name is Jimmy Galante. It's like it's this. And to put it in perspective, this was the same family that The Sopranos was loosely based off of. <laughs> so this so this guy he buys a minor league hockey team. And he puts him in Danbury, Connecticut, where there was, there was never any professional hockey before. And he appoints his 17-year-old son, AJ, to run the yes. hockey team. And, and it just the craziness goes on from there. Like to, like to, here, I'll, I'll give you one thing because I don't want to spoil all of it. So there was, this, there was just this goon. His name was Brad Wingfield, right? And uh, he, was, he was their tough guy. And before the home opener of the, in the inaugural season, I guess Wingfield was on the ice. He was starting. So he looks over at the bench and there's, you know, the boss, Jimmy Galante with a cell, with a cell phone. And, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There was a coach hanging there with a cell phone. The coach was, had a cell phone out. So Brad skates over, he gets on the cell phone and I guess it's Jimmy and Jimmy goes, Brad, as soon as the puck drops, you drop your fucking gloves. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like it, it was, it's that type of crazy. Let's go. That goes on. It's, it's purely entertaining, man. It's purely it's, entertaining. But like, is it huh? Netflix? Um, yeah, it's it's Netflix. It it's like, it's the un. It's called like Untold, like Crimes and Penalties. Oh my! God. And it's like it's the stock on the Danbury Trashers. It's incredible, dude. <laughs> oh, let's check it out. All right, so I'm gonna let, I'm gonna finish with. We've talked to you about hockey. Uh, we've talked to you about golf. Uh, I do want to know how's the fantasy football team looking. That's not my question though, but how's it looking? Um, pretty good. Tough first week. I had the third highest points and I lost. So oh. that's uh, lost by one point eight. That's what. Oh. So the three of us are in a league, and that's what happened in our league. The top four players all played each other, and, yeah. and Chad had the worst score in the league this week. So I want to make sure we talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I want to let you end as a dad, right? Uh, we're dads. I'm a dad. Chad's a dad. Uh, Joe will get there eventually. Uh, as a pro athlete, 
you're raising kids and, and you put pictures up of your kids, uh, your girls playing soccer, uh, your son playing hockey, uh, your kids are coming up in sports. Uh, I want to know what a message is that you, as, as a guy that grew up and made it right, had an insanely successful career. Uh, you lived the dream, right? You lived that dream that you set out to live uh, and are still doing it now. I'm sure. Uh, what's the message you give to other parents about uh, raising kids in sports uh, about, uh, you know, the best way to go about doing that and, and, and talk a little bit, I guess, about your parents and, and how they supported you and made you, you know, helped you fall in love with hockey so that you could be successful. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question. I think um, one thing that I, I try to do is I try not to put any pressure on my kids. Um, the reality of it is like the percentage of kids that, that make it play professional sports is so ridiculously small. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, I support any dream that they have. Absolutely. Um, but I put no pressure on them whatsoever. It's about, to me, it's about having fun, the memories they make, um, the friendships they make and the life lessons they, they make. And, um, for my kids, I just want to be there to support them. I just want to be dad. I don't, I, I try not yeah. to be, um, I try to be their number one fan, the bigger support. I don't want to be, um, you know, I've read a couple books, um, recently just trying to like how you kind of motivate, you know, a young athlete and then like the parent, parent, uh, kid relationship and everything. And it's, it's really important like that I'm trying to, to do is just, uh, you know, be, be dad and don't be the one that as soon as the game's over, tell them this, that and everything, like let the coach teach them and, and, and everything. And, you know, if they want to talk to you about it, they will talk to you. Um, but know that you're just there support and, and everything. And, um, you know, just be along with the journey with them. So that's what I try to do. I love every second of it. I love going to their games. Um, you know, I, I feel so appreciative that, that my career is over that I do get to see everything. Cause right now I don't, if I do miss something, like I'm going to miss some soccer games of my girls this weekend, uh, coming up when I'm in Hilton head and it drives me crazy. Like it's really hard. So yeah, I love every second of it. I love supporting them and watching them. And obviously the competitive nature gets deep into me where I, <laughs> you know, something I want to get them going. And, but, um, you know, I just tried, I tried to just be dad. I love it. And I, and I, I, I hope other people hear that. And I, I think it's a, it's a great message. So RJ Hamburger, man, this was, uh, this was so fun. We are gearing up for hockey. Uh, you're gearing up for a golf trip. Uh, but if you ever need a couple of schlubs to bring some beers down and get going in like a mini sticks tournament, we are your guys uh, right. brought to you by the garage beers podcast. It'll be a mini sticks tournament. We're totally <laughs> in on that. Uh, but RJ, it was a blast. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, hopefully we can connect again down the line. Yeah. Thanks a lot of fun. And I hope it's uh, it's a great season here ahead. And once again, a huge thank you to uh, an all time, great Columbus blue jacket. One of the, one of the most hard nosed uh, talented players. And like I said, in the interview, uh, a forever answer to a trivia question. Uh, the first player to ever score a playoff goal for the Columbus Blue Jackets franchise, RJ Umberger. Uh, really great stuff from him. Awesome to look back at his career. Awesome to hear kind of what he thinks about the team moving forward. And uh, and I love just some of the little stuff. First of all, Chad, I love your questions always. And, uh, and just some of his stuff being a dad, man. RJ was just 
that's that's just a hell of a guest, and we're so grateful to have had him on. Oh my God! You know, whenever we have a guest uh, booked to come on the show, I, I I always try to find like the little things, kind of like the unknown things. Because I mean, anybody can anybody can Google you know any one of these athletes, and, and you'll find out about their career. But I just I, I just, I like to find the inside, I like to try to find the inside stuff and some fun stories. And like, like the fact that he was a, he like, it seemed like, I mean, I, I don't know. I cannot confirm this obviously, but the fact that he told us about this blue story that he was like, yeah, hey, I can finally talk yes, about this. I love that. Like that, like that was amazing. I love that shit, man. Yeah. Like anytime you could, cause like people, people, I, I think a lot of fans tend to look at pro athletes, like, like, it's, I mean, I don't know the race because, like I said, I'm buzzing right now. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, so I don't know the correct word. But like, uh, they, they tend to look at pro athletes as like not even humans. Right. But like, when when you can when you can when you can humanize these guys and like just realize that they're just people, just like everybody else, and like get them to just open up. That is like the best. Those are my favorite interviews of all time. And like the fact that he was able to do that with us, I I love it. I love it. I mean, take 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 the uh, the section where you know you guys were talking about his contract right out of the draft and how he just didn't want what they were offering him. Like, I feel yeah. like if any of us go to get a job and we get offered, you know, with salary salary or an hourly rate, and we don't want that rate, you know, it's not like weird to like counter that and yeah, or to not, not take the job, right? Yeah. Want. That's a great right, point. Jeff. Right. Like that's a very normal thing in everyday life. And like, I feel like when that happens to athletes, uh, the fans, cause it's, you know, it's still your, your team. Uh, you just like come at that person. Like, why would you sign with our team? Like play for our team <laughs> kind of thing. But it's like, right. you know, they're people too. Like this is their job and their career. And like, yeah, they're making a ton of money, but like you can't settle for nothing. Like you, you should absolutely know your worth. In and, and I will say Chad, such a good point too, on just the, on just the, just like the humanity of it. And just like, you know, these guys, this RJ Umberger is a dude. He went to Ohio state. He was an Ohio state student at one point. He's a kid that he went to the library. He got drunk at the library. Yeah, he's, a, <laughs> he's a kid that grew up in Western PA. And, and you know, the other thing yeah. that, you know, there's, there's parts of the show. Eventually we're going to release just like a behind the scenes or like an outtakes or whatever. Another shout out. I'm giving the shout out to RJ Umberger. It took him like 25 minutes. His internet was acting terrible at his house. And he spent like yeah. 25 minutes just working to get it sorted out so that he could sit with us for a little over an hour and have that conversation. Right. Like that is something that we all deal with. And and for him to just not be like, listen, guys, my internet's not working. We'll do this some other time. He sat there and worked on it for like 20 to 25 minutes so that he could come on with us, man. What a good dude. A, 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 a great story for his career, a great career. I mean, Jesus Christ, that, mm-hmm. that playoff that we talked about, that that series against Montreal, eight goals in five games. The dude was an electric player. Uh, and then, I, I, you know me, I'm a sucker for the dad stories. And, and this guy, is uh, he's, a, he's a dad that loves his kids. He loves being around his kids. He loves coaching uh, his kids. And I think he gave us a great message there at the end. Again, R.J. Umberger former Columbus Blue Jacket, former Philadelphia Flyer, uh, and uh, an overall good guy. We, it was great to have him on. So now we're going yeah. to shift gears a little bit. Uh, <laughs> we just talked about this. Chad and I, after the Browns game on Sunday, Chad and I and Joey sometimes will try to get on and do like a live kind of recap. And we usually do that on our Instagram. 
And it was such a cluster <laughs> this last week. Chad and I both had our kids climbing all over us. And, and we were, t- I, I don't even remember. I don't know what I even said in that. Uh, but boys, let's talk a little yeah. bit. We got to talk a little Browns. Uh, week one, the Browns yeah. go to Kansas City. And let's be really honest. They play a hell of a freaking ball game. The, the Cleveland Browns go to Kansas City and play an absolute hell of a ball game. Like I've had these few yeah. days now to marinate on what I saw on Sunday and what I saw on Sunday is as much as it hurts to take that loss in that game, I know for a fact that the Kansas City Chiefs leave that game going, oh, shit, we're going to have to deal with that team again. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, yeah. and the difference in that ball game, and we talked about it a little bit, and Chad and I disagreed a little bit on the biggest moments, but I think we were both agreeing and disagreeing at the same time. The difference in that ball game just came down to a few mistakes that the Browns made and 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 a few plays that went the, went the Chiefs' way, but otherwise, yeah, the Chiefs are a heavy favorite to be at least in the Super Bowl, and the Browns gave them everything they could handle, and it wasn't a fluke. Like the Chiefs didn't play bad, and the Browns didn't play over their head. You know, I think we're still at that point as Browns fans where we feel like, oh, if the Browns played well against the Chiefs, it must have been a fluke. It wasn't. The Browns played their ball game, that and the Chiefs off- played their ball game, and it was about as even as you could get. That offense was just as dominant against the Chiefs' defense as yes. the Chiefs' offense was as dominant against the uh, the Browns' defense. I mean, I mean, it was. And you know, I know you, I know we, t- I know we disagreed, Mike, on what the big moment of the ball game was. But I mean, you could really make an argument for any one of those mistakes yep. that it was a turning point of the yep. game. I mean, I mean, and that's really all it was. It's like one or it was one or two untimely mistakes. And don't get me wrong. You have to play damn near perfect against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, to be able to beat them. And it's not because of their defense. It's because no lead is safe with Patrick Mahomes. Hey, you know, <laughs> with Patrick, you Patrick know what Mahomes we didn't talk team. about, though, Chad? And this what? is fun. You've got to play damn near perfect to beat the Cleveland Browns. You do. you got to play damn near perfect to beat the Cleveland Browns. The Kansas City Chiefs had to battle their way back. And the Kansas City Chiefs had to get, I, I hate to say this because it's Patrick Mahomes and I don't mean it in this way, but they had to get kind of lucky to beat the Cleveland Browns. That, that, that play, that play that I will, that, 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 that the Kansas City Chiefs make every week, week in and week out, that pisses me off more than anything else. When, when Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is flushed out of the pocket and he's in trouble and he just sees and just improvises and, he just, see, and just improvises he just like sees Tyreek Hill running down the field and he just fucking closes his eyes and launches it down the field and it just connects with Tyreek Hill. And at that point, the defensive back has been running with Tyreek Hill for like eight seconds and he just can't keep up anymore. Like there is no team that connects on that play the way that they do. No team. It happens every game. No team connects. But do we think do we think that they'll go down as the top quarterback wide receiver duo of all time? Definitely the most unique. Like without a doubt, it has to be the most unique duo. Of all I time. think so. I think Patrick Mahomes. I, I think that's a great question, Joe and Chad. I'm interested to hear your take. Yeah, too. it really. I is. think that's a great question. It really because is. because I think as a quarterback, Patrick Mahomes has put himself in that category faster than anybody maybe in history. Like Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes Done. has put himself in the, like, I, I I'm ready to go ahead and call Patrick Mahomes. One of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And shit, he's only been in the league. Easy. He got drafted the same year as miles Garrett, right? 2017. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, I think it's harder for a wide receiver to put themselves in that category 
because I think you look back at this echelon of wide receivers and you go, is Tyreek Hill, would you rather have Tyreek Hill or Randy Moss? <laughs> Depends no, on I'd rather have Randy Moss. No, I mean, I'd rather have Randy Moss. Like, if you put Randy Moss with Patrick Mahomes, he's, it's, it's, you'll talk about that as the yeah. greatest. Well. Yeah, he doesn't. Right. If you pull Randy Moss with Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't need to scramble or flush. He can just drop back and throw well, it up. I mean, and that's Randy a Moss great question too. Like, okay, th- is Patrick Mahomes as good as he is because he has the Tyree threat that can get away from anyone if he gets seven to eight seconds? So this was the first game, and listen, uh, just not to throw out and in, in uh, don't 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 take this the wrong way. I've <laughs> always thought Tyree Kill was just a, a, a top level NFL wide receiver. This last game was the first game where I went, oh, shit, Tyreek Hill is, like, for sure one of the best wide receivers in the game. I, I've always viewed Tyreek Hill as this. Oh, I've always viewed him as just kind of the speed guy, but, like, I hate to say one-dimensional. That's not what I mean by it, but he's, he's kind of that speed guy that runs the crossing routes and you hit him deep and he makes plays, and that's kind of what I viewed him as. What I saw in this game in week one, Tyreek Hill in good coverage – Here's what Tyreek Hill does. What I realized about Tyreek Hill, which makes him so special, he makes good coverage look bad. He makes good coverage look bad. He goes out there on like a a 10-yard, just turn around, 10-yard button hook route, right? And the the, the corners are on it, and he's so fast and so quick. And he's not just that, because you could be fast and quick, but he's so crisp with his routes. He's so good at what he does that he loses a dude for five yards. That was ready for that play because he's that good. It was my first time watching him going, oh, he's he's so much better than I thought he was. Tyreek Hill is so much better than I thought he was. Yeah, I mean, when he catches the ball, that, that, that first step after, it, it, after he catches it is just so fast that you it's very easy to, to miss tech, not only uh, because of his speed, but also because of his size. He's just so little. And, and and it's it's very hard to wrap him up, even if you close quickly. Like there was a couple of plays I saw John Johnson close in on Tyreek and, and, and make a play. But if you're not right on top of him, as soon as he catches the ball, catches the ball, he's going to get an, at least an extra five to six yards just on his quick first step and his speed alone. Yeah, so you know, so I agree with you. There. You watch those routes, right? Like you you watch the game in real time. And I think the natural instinct as a fan is to go like you watch him catch a pass and you're like, how was Tyreek Hill that wide open? And the fact of the matter is he's that wide open because he got himself that wide open. Like I don't even, there were so many times in that game. I don't blame the defense for it. The defense was there. There were guys running with him doing great. And then he would make one move or stop or cut or whatever. He's just so elite at that, that he just loses these guys. And like, it's, I think it's an underrated thing that not a lot of people talk about, right? You talk about elusiveness as a ball carrier, right? You talk a lot about running backs as elusive. You talk about Tyreek Hill once he has the ball, he's an elusive ball carrier. Tyreek Hill is an elusive route runner. He is an elusive. He loses guys when he's running his routes. That's what makes him special. Yeah, sure. Sure. That's because, I mean, back when I was in college, they called it a wiggle. That's because of his wiggle and his speed. (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly right though that's exactly right so so yeah listen like to talk about the game a little bit man i saw so much shit i loved i saw so much shit i loved. oh yeah even defensively oh, yeah. even defensively i saw shit i love dude uh, uh jadavian Clowney blowing that one play up in the backfield looked like jadavian like yep. 
I think everybody's got to remember that that's been the Jadavion Clowney that has succeeded in the NFL. He never run. He yeah. never put up this. Sorry, he sorry. never put up the sack numbers that everybody associated with a guy that placed his position. But that was never like when he's playing his best, he was never the biggest sack guy. What he is, is the guy that blows up a run play in the backfield for seven yards. He, he -hmm. blows up that end around play. That, that guy had no idea that was coming. And all of a sudden there's Jadavion Clowney just taking his ass down. Like, was that Tyreek? Was it Tyreek? It was. was it? I think I it was. was yeah. Or maybe, or, or maybe it was Robinson. It was either Robinson or Tyreek. One of those. Whoever guys. it was, though, like just, just I loved him. Obviously, uh, 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 the Maliks uh, are awesome on the defensive line. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was so much I saw. Like guys, it, it, the only downer, the only downer is. You go up in that game and you think, oh, shit, we're doing this. Like, we're going to win. And, and Kansas City comes back and you no. lose. But, like, here's the other yeah. thing that made me feel better. Here's the other thing that made me feel better. At the beginning of this year, and we're still going to play the, the schedule game at some point because we have to because it's bad luck to not. But at the beginning of this year, if you were going to circle a few games the Browns were going to lose, was this not going to be one of them? And that's what I was about to say. Listen, you, you know, any other game – any other game, well, almost any other game that you play and we're up 22 to 10 at the half, you're like, yeah, you feel really comfortable with that. You cannot feel comfortable against Kansas City Chiefs. No. <laughs> with any, it's just like having a lead against Tom Brady. You cannot feel comfortable no. with a lead against Tom Brady until that clock hits zero. So, but yeah. This was, I, this was that game. Like, okay, so when we had that first hype season when we got completely destroyed by the Titans in the yeah. first game. That was like a game where we're like, okay, this entire season is going to suck. But I said it before this game against the Chiefs. It's like, you know, they need to go out and play the best game they can play, but they need to leave that game learning a whole lot about themselves. Because, like, you know, this this starting defense is very new, and they didn't have an entire preseason game to really – gel together in live action and um you know not to make excuses for this team but I, I think that that they can take uh the film from this game against the Chiefs and really grow as a team and kind of get some grit and uh I think that's gonna help them go yeah, here's the other thing that happened in this game these players that you were hoping were gonna come in and be players were players like uh, like Malik oh, McDowell yeah. Is is your new starter at defensive tackle? Malik McDowell is your new starter. Why? Because he was he was fucking amazing in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I thought real impressively was Anthony Walker. Uh, he was everywhere. I thought Anthony Walker from that middle linebacker position was everywhere. I loved watching him play. And I know people were giving him grief. He got burnt by Tyreek Hill down the field one play, and people were giving him grief. I'm like, well, he's a middle linebacker, and linebacker. he's lined up on Tyreek Hill. Well, You're gonna get burnt down the field. Travis- and Travis, well, Kelsey. he burns I mean, everybody. I saw a lot of people. I saw a lot of people online saying, "Oh, our linebacker still can't cover tight ends." Well, Travis Kelsey right. is uh, the best tight end in football. Uh, so, how about, how about Greg Newsom, the highest rated rookie cornerback that played this week? Yeah, allowed one catch. Yeah. Allowed one catch this week. How about how about right. uh, how about let's go to the other side of the ball for a minute? How about Anthony Schwartz, the highest the highest yeah. rated rookie yeah. offensive player this week? Right. 
Anthony right. Schwartz. Dude looked great. Right. Dude looked right. great. No, how about this? What, what do we think about OBJ? He's already rolled out for week two. Do we think that's that there's something nope. else going on here, some other issues going on, or is this just recovery? No, I kind of talked about it on the, re- on, on the recap. I just – and, again, I'll rephrase this from what I said on the recap. It's not – it's not that I think it's not that I think they can take their time with OBJ, but if OBJ is not comfortable coming back yet, I feel comfortable uh, uh, with with rolling with Anthony Schwartz out there this year. I feel a lot more comfortable this year that Anthony Schwartz is out there because we we now have that speed. We have that uh, uh, guy that yeah. can take the top off of the defense now. You know, last year without Odell, we didn't we didn't have that. We didn't have that. But we do. But now this year we have a guy that can make defenses think deep. We we don't have a we don't have a guy. We have a guy now uh, that where defenses can't just sit in the middle of the field like we did last year without OBJ. So that makes me feel a lot better. If OBJ can't go, having Anthony Schwartz makes me feel a lot better going into each week. Yeah, and I think I, this season, this season, what I read about the OBJ uh, the situation made me feel a little bit better, even still. Not that I was worried about it anyways, but he fought to play week one. Like OBJ was out there warming up and he wanted to play. He was fighting. He was fighting with the coaching staff to let him play. And, but, but also when he was asked by the trainers, like, all right, are you hundred percent? He was like, nah, I'm not a hundred percent. And they just made the determination. This is not worth it. We want OBJ in week 13, 14, 15, 16. We don't need OBJ necessarily week one. If he's not a hundred percent. And it, that's what the reporter said this week was that this week Kevin Stefanski just took it out of his hands. Like it wasn't even it wasn't even like a thing OBJ was going to have a say on. Kevin Stefanski just came out and said, "Listen, he's not 100% yet, he's not going to come out." And I think that's smart. Why make this dude come out and 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 play at if he's not 100% at this point in the season. So, yeah, so boys, it's uh, everything we thought was going to happen happened. It was it was everything we expected happened. Nick Chubb, awesome. Kareem Hunt, awesome. The offensive line, awesome. Even when Jed Wills goes down, and by the way, Jedrick Wills, injury, day-to-day, and he's actually listed as potentially playing this week, thank God. But even, even with that, the offensive line steps up, the replacement steps in, awesome. Everything we expected to be good was good. And, the, and then Baker, Baker was awesome. Yeah, uh, Baker was awesome. I know people are going to draw attention to uh, that last play or whatever, and I've come to grips with the fact that Baker is going to be perennially underrated. He's always going to be underrated. You know why Baker is going to be underrated? It has nothing to do with that last drive. I don't. That last drive, I don't care about. It was a play that happened. The interception was a freak thing. Anyways, here's why I think Baker is going to be perennially underrated because his touchdown numbers. I know his rookie season was different. Baker's touchdown numbers are never going to be as high as everybody else's because when the Browns get inside the 10 yard line, it is automatic that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to run the ball in the end zone. It's automatic. I've never, I cannot remember a team that I felt that way about. I cannot remember a team where I was like, well, shit, they don't even have to. The Browns don't, they could be a third and goal from the nine. And they can give the ball to Kareem Hunt and he's going to score a touchdown. Like, that's what I feel about the Browns offense at this point. So Baker's touchdown numbers aren't going to necessarily be what other players are going to be because of the system. Yeah, you've got the most automatic running duo right. in, in football. And right. so 
when you look at his numbers on the back end and you go, oh, he threw for a lot of yards. He threw for over 300 yards against the Chiefs. Yeah. Oh, but no touchdowns and he had the interception. Whatever. He drove them down the field and automatic touchdowns by Nick Chubb and Kareem That one touchdown and, and, and Chad, well, I'll get to my thing. I know you had something you wanted to say about this too. Uh, yeah, uh, and it wasn't necessarily about that. And listen, let me preface this by saying I am a Baker supporter. I love Baker. I, you know, we said on the last episode of this pod, I, I, I think he has all the intangibles to be able to lead us to a Super Bowl. But I, I, I just, I've been, everything I've been seeing online lately, I feel like I have to kind of defend Baker doubters a little bit. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Baker doubter by any means because I fully believe that he can improve on this. But I feel like, Everything I see online from Baker supporters, I, I, I kind of feel like they're a little bit, just because he's the best quarterback, and he is, far and away, he's the best quarterback that we've had on this team in the last 20 years. He is. I kind of feel like, though, that they're kind of blind to the fact, blind to any, blind, blind to any sort of criticism towards Baker Mayfield, whether, whether, it's, whether it's validated or not. And I just think they're going to, and I just think they're going to, they're so blinded by the fact that he is the best quarterback that we have that they just don't want to acknowledge the bad. And for how much good there is with Baker that happens, I just don't feel like, I I think it's okay to have a level head uh, when it comes to Baker. Like it's like, it's, it's, it's completely unfair to criticize every bad decision that he makes in a game or that any quarterback makes in a game because every quarterback's going to make a bad decision in a game. Like, like no, if you expect a quarterback to go out there and play perfect, nothing, uh, you're going to be waiting a very long time <laughs> to go out there and expect a quarterback to play perfectly. But I think like, when you look at like, when you look at someone's career, like for instance, okay, I mean, this is the main point I'm getting at. All right. So things came out right now, like over his career, Baker has not been good in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. He hasn't been good. He hasn't been good. Like so far with the game on the line, he's 27 of 49 for 367 yards, four touchdowns and five interceptions. And that's in 12 games. He has not, he has not been that. And that is one place. And that is one place where he needs to improve. But I feel like Baker supporters don't want to acknowledge that because they're so convinced that he is this franchise quarterback that he is the uh, that he is the guy that's going to lead us to the promised land, that they that they don't want to believe that there's something that he can improve on, and I and I just think that I, again again I I guess my whole point is I think it's okay to acknowledge the bad, but to 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 be able to say that yeah there's things he can improve on, while acknowledging all of the good like it's like it's it's. I don't know. That's that. That's just my that, that's just my thing. That like I, I I just feel like a lot of bigger supporters are afraid to acknowledge that. Dude, it's, it's that's a natural part of life, and any successful person on the planet acknowledges their own faults and understands what they need to get better at. Right. And so I a thousand percent agree with you, and and I agree with you. I see it online. I see there's people on there that if you say one thing like ooh. Baker didn't look comfortable in this situation or Baker needs to work on this. They'll jump down your throat and be like, ah, but Baker's a listen, you're a thousand percent right. Chad Baker's got shit to work on. Yeah. He's not a perfect, he's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. 
Yeah. If you're and, and and here's the thing, if you're not, I don't care what quarterback it is. I don't care if it's Baker, Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger. I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers. I don't care who it is. Jameis Winston. I don't care. Mm-hmm. If your name isn't Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady right now, you got a lot of shit to work on. Right. Right. Because if your name isn't Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady right now, you're not one of the two best quarterbacks in in the in football. I mean, look, look at Lamar. Lamar fumbled twice in crunch time on Monday night. But it isn't. It isn't like you know. There's always just this stand. It's it's the way everything is. I don't care if it's football or politics or whatever. You're either this or this. Right. You're either a Baker supporter or a Baker hater. Right. No, I'm a Baker supporter that understands he's got things that need to get better. Right. That's right. that's. That's why I've always hated the like, love it or leave it thing. Like, nah, I love it and I want it to get better. Like that's, that's general statement about pretty much everything. Uh, and so, yeah, Baker's got shit to work on. Like, yeah, Baker didn't look super comfortable when he got the ball back with the game on the line. He didn't look super comfortable. I don't blame him for that interception. He was trying to throw the ball in the way, away and his feet got swept out from under him. It is what it is. Yeah. That happens. But mm-hmm. For the most part in that game, Baker Mayfield was immaculate. Oh, no. I, Baker Mayfield immaculate. I 100% agree. I, I, I 100% agree. I, you know, I, I just think it's, I, 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 I just think it's, um, what am I trying to say here? Uh, I, I just think it's okay to say, ah, fuck it. Yeah. yeah, I already made my point. <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get it. So anyways, boys, this week coming up, the zero and one Cleveland Browns take on the one and oh Houston Texans, a Houston Texans teams. Okay. What happened? (laughs) Shocking. I don't know. It's just, that's a weird, a Houston Texans team that behind the likes of Tyrod Taylor and, or Tyrod Taylor, which I think we had to get a a name lesson on him when he was in Cleveland, Uh, Mark Ingram, Brandon Cooks, uh, and, and 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 the like down David Johnson, they destroyed the Jacksonville Jaguars, thirty-seven to twenty-one, and they were up at one point twenty-seven to seven. I mean, it was just uh, the the Houston Texans laid it on uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I think Welcome Jacksonville sucks real bad. I think uh, I think the rumors on Urban are ready, uh, ready to give up on Jacksonville. Uh, I don't think that's fake. Listen, I saw, I saw, I saw like a spoof party. I don't know if it was like an Onion article or something, but it was. This is so bad, but it said Urban Meyer is already thinking of his next disease. Oh again no! Oh my chest, my chest pain. I, but I, listen, if we've learned anything from Urban Meyer, it's that no, the rumors are never fake. Now, I think the USC rumor is fake. I don't think he's going to USC. I don't think he's leaving Jacksonville to go to USC. I don't. I don't. I feel like after one game, that's a little. I aggressive. agree. But the Urban Meyer rumors seem to always come to fruition. Remember when he was with Florida and the rumors started swirling? We were all like, "He's never leaving Florida. He's like the most successful coach in the history of football. He's not going to leave there." And all of a sudden, he's gone. Then he comes to Ohio State. All of a sudden, those rumors start swirling that Urban Meyer might go. And we're like, this is his dream job. Why would he leave here? And there he goes. And now he's in Jacksonville. And the rumors after one game are starting to swirl. Urban is Mm -hmm. flaky. Yeah. Listen, we all got flaky friends. It doesn't. I know a lot of us love Urban. I love Urban Meyer. I love what he did at Ohio State. I love what he built as a program. And it's by and large. It is by and large. 
what Urban Meyer did at Ohio State that Ryan Day is successful there now. And the Ohio State Buckeyes are still successful. By and large, because of what Urban Meyer did. Having said that, we all got flaky friends. Right. We all got flaky friends. We got friends, friends, people we love, people we like to hang out with. But you know those friends that are all like, yeah, I'll meet you there. And then like 48 minutes after they say they're going to meet you somewhere, they're like, oh, man, I'm still at home. Flaky Mm -hmm. friends. Oh, I know we planned this two weeks ago, but I'm not going to be able to make it. Urban's a flaky friend, man. He's flaky. He doesn't like to be tied up into anything. Yeah, yeah I. Uh, oh, I can't. So sorry. The one, the one thing he's not flaky on is his marriage. <laughs> thankfully, he's like a good. He, he's been married forever. He's not flaky on that. Otherwise, he is flaky on everything. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And um, you know, that was my one concern with Urban coming into the pros. Is you know, he he runs a tight ship. I mean, he runs it uh, like a drill instructor and. You know, you you can't talk to professional athletes, to millionaires that are that just like yourself, uh, the same way you do to college kids. You, you you just can't. I mean, I saw I read all these reports that like he had a microphone at practice talking about hydrate and hustle to your next period. These guys are million. They're they're not going to take like you <laughs> you talk you talk to them like college kids and, and wipe your butts and, when you poop. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. Like you you cannot talk. This is a millionaire uh, trying to yell at other millionaires, and it's it's I, that was my one concern with it. I, I, I he's going to have to find a different style if he hopes to be successful in the NFL. So, uh, uh, so it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise yeah, me will. if he bolts for back to the college game at some point if if this continues. Yeah, I want to talk about the Texans for a minute, but did you did y'all see the one play? <laughs> the one play it was like the Texans connected on like a real deep pass and it happened toward the sideline right in front of urban and his back was turned to the plane. He never even looked like he just looked immediately. He never turned. He never looked. He had his head down, his hands on his hips, his head just buried in his, his chin in his chest as, as the Texans player that just caught like a 46 yard pass or whatever it was ran right out of bounds behind him, like literally uh-huh. like brushed shoulders. And he never turned it. Look, he just stood there and shook his head. Like, poor oh, he, he oh, can't Urban. stand losing, dude. He cannot stand it. What you- Urban, what'd you think was going to happen exactly. when you went to Jacksonville? You idiot. Uh, like you, you got to pick a couple else to start off. Oh. Like, yeah, at least Pete Carroll was like, I'll go to Seattle. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> well, Pete uh, Carroll had NFL experience before he uh, went to Seattle. I know, I know. I'm just saying. Uh, so let's talk about the Houston Texans a little bit. Um, boys, I think, obviously, I think the hot start is a little bit of oh, fool's gold, if you will. I think, I think the hot start's a little, I think, I think 37 points against the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars, I mean, I think the Jaguars are, are going to be worse than they were last year. I, I don't know why I think that. I just, I feel like they're well, just they atrocious. It's tough to do, but I think they'll do it. And they'll win some game against the South team, but they won't. <laughs> be anything they'll go one in 16 this year i just here's what i can't see i can't see tyrod taylor coming out and throwing for 300 yards again and two touchdowns no. against the browns i can't see maybe they want to be the first team to go oh and seven i can't see mark ingram coming out and running for almost 100 yards yeah. against the browns like if, if anything one, one of my favorite things that i saw in the browns games against the in the game against the chiefs this run defense is yeah. good 
that front that front four is a good enough run defense. Uh, they gave no. I mean, obviously, you got Patrick Mahomes that gets out and gets on the run, and that is what it is. But the only reason Patrick Mahomes is successful getting out on the run is because right. you have to fear right. his pass, right? Well, yeah. Tyron Taylor tries to get out against on the run. You don't really uh, hello, feel the Brandon pass as much. Cooks. Uh, hello, uh, <laughs> oh, Brandon Cooks, man. I, I just, I just feel like. I think the Texans are in for a rude awakening in Cleveland this week. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know they started hot, but did you, did you guys also see, did you see what Kevin Stefanski was doing? So I guess all over the locker room at first energy stadium and all over at camp in Berea, uh, all over like the, the locker rooms there, there are signs that say this week, the one and O Texans against ah, the and one. Okay. And he's posted nice. it everywhere. And I guess that's like what he's using. I, guys, I just, I like, I, I don't know. I, love I can't remember the last time I was as confident going into a game as I am this week. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you know, like who gets media coverage on like little like antics done in between games to like hype people up. That's right. Winners. 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 No, no other team gets media coverage on. You know, oh, the coach did this to pump up the players before the game. No, it's like, oh, we're going to win this game and we're going to beat them 53 oh, to 17. Joey already with the prediction. I like it. I don't know. Is that impossible? I want to go with that. I go like a really, I'm not going to go 53. I'll go, I'll go 40. Uh, I'll go 45. 45-17. Yeah, I think, I think this will be I, – I think we actually have a chance this week to see the Browns – like. I think for the first time, right? Like last year was like the kind of the coming out, but it was also like the, you know, we had these games against teams like Houston, teams like Philadelphia, where they had to just fight and claw their way to the wins. I think this is the year for the Browns where it's like, oh, I think they're going to get some blowouts. Like, like I think they're going to get things set. uh, Like the line is going to be set at like 13 or 10 or whatever, which is huge for an NFL game. And I think the Browns will blow past that. Guys, uh, Chad, what, what are your thoughts yeah, on this? I, I mean, I just – this is a Texans offense that's – I mean, it, it's got some veterans, but it's not good. Uh, I, I mean, that offensive line is young. I, I think Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney get home a lot this week. And, uh, you know, the Browns offensive line is just going to dominate, especially up front in the run game. I think, I think the Browns win this one handily 38-13. Yeah, I think, uh, boys, I think I'm with you. I think, uh, I think the Browns put up over 30 points. Uh, and I think the Jaguars stay in single. The game. Texans, you mean? <laughs> or the Texans. Well, Texans, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at last week's to be, to be You fair, really want the Jaguars. I I the Jaguars. Yeah, to be fair, the Jaguars probably will be in single digits this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think, I think, uh, I think. Uh, I think the uh, the Texans stay in single digits, so I'm going to say I'm going to say the Browns match the Texans score from last week, 37, and I think the Texans stay at seven. I think it's 37-7 Browns, and uh, I, I think it's everywhere. I think this Browns offense is elite. This Browns defense, this is such a good. Like what I love about the season is it gave that defense such a test, and then it kind of made them feel like shit because. Everybody feels like shit after they play Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. 
everybody feels like shit. So it kind of it kind of makes them feel like shit. And I think this defense is going to be pissed and hungry. And I think these poor Houston Texans are going to get it taken uh, yeah. out on them. I hope they. I hope. Man, I hope Tyrod doesn't get hurt. He won't. Well, like you said, <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen our end rushers? Oh, Let's <laughs> like, not be talking about injuries here. He's just been through a lot. Like been through you know, a lot. Got a concussion in Cleveland. Got stabbed in the lung in <laughs> Los Angeles. Like fair. Uh, the dude just needs to have a bad game well, without you know. Well, like you said, I, I mean, like you said, him. like it. Uh, you know, this defense—they started the games. You know, he started the season at 100 miles an hour. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, you go against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, sure. You, you, you're going to be angry. You're going to be angry that you gave up points. And I think, uh, yeah, I think this defense comes out firing this week. All right. So before we get to the last couple things, because I think both of us are all three of us think that the Browns are just going to steamroll, uh, the t- especially in Cleveland. The first time the Cleveland Browns fans are going to see this team with this coach uh, in a packed stadium. That place is going yeah. to be ballistic. Cleveland Browns, the first energy stadium is going to be ballistic. And I think, I think what's going to be cool is some of these players that uh, maybe started with the team just last year and then this year are finally going to get a taste of what it's like to be in that environment. And it's going to just be hype train oh, city. Oh, I love oh, it. So that's, real what, quick, I, that's what I meant to say real oh, go, quick. That's what I meant to say. When you're breaking in a new defense, it's tough to start. It's tough to gauge how your defense is going to be against the Patrick Mahomes led offense. That's it. Keep going now, Mike. Move on. Okay. Real quick, a couple surprises from around the NFL last week, two to name a few. How about the fucking Saints just destroying the Packers? It was that defense. I mean, it was that deep. I mean, when whenever your quarterback throws for 148 yards and five touchdowns, your defense puts you in pretty good field position. <laughs> Yeah, but like, hasn't Aaron Rodgers made good defenses he look has. bad before? He has. That's a bad. I I don't know. Is that a bad sign for the Packers? Is that a bad sign for? I the think Packers? he's proved a point. No way. Like you don't come off an MVP season and throw a goose egg up like that. I think either you know he didn't take enough time during training camp, or was not taking it as seriously as he should have. Uh, or he's trying to prove a point in this game, but I think he'll be lights out the rest of the year. Here's the other surprise that happened this week, and I talked about this. Pittsburgh Steelers go to Buffalo and uh-huh. beat the Buffalo Bills. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, until the Pittsburgh Steelers just are shit, I'm not. Uh, we talked about this. Oh, we're, we're all talking about this like AFC North, like it's this two-team race, two-team race. It's Cleveland and Baltimore until the Pittsburgh Steelers are shit, like for real. Well, listen. Do not count listen, them out. That offense is shit, but that defense is elite. That's, I mean, it, it, has, a, it, has, a, it has a very 2,000 Ravens-ish type vibe. That game, that game had a very 2,000 Ravens-ish vibe for me. Yeah, and if yeah, you remember know. that, you won the Super Bowl. <laughs> so don't count don't yeah. count the Pittsburgh Steelers out. Uh, all right, real quick, just a couple things before we get out of here. Yeah. Chad, I want to hear from you. Right. You said it last week, uh-huh. and then it happened, uh-huh. I think, last night. You said you had never seen right. the movie Remember the Titans, it's and then you watched it. I, I hated this. every minute of it. It's terrible. 
Uh, I don't, <laughs> oh, never watch it again. So no, it was awesome, dude. Like I, I was pissed at myself for not watching it uh, twenty no. years ago when it came out. <laughs> Wow, yeah. I can't believe that. That's amazing, isn't it? I get so much shit on this podcast. For it's amazing. Like, my sports movies that I like, but like at least I've seen the old ones. Like, well, up until for the uh, classics, until, uh, up until you said you watched Remember the Titans, I just knew that you loved Ricky Bobby stabbing himself in the leg. <laughs> That's it. Fair. That's oh, very I'm, fair. I would say I would say I've probably seen every like sports movie. What? But I just don't like it. I don't know. Like, it's cool. Like, I mean, they're going to win. Everyone's going to win. And, like, you know, it's going to be a good, like, coming of age moment or it's going to be a big, like, zero to hero moment. Uh, you know, like, not a lot of people are stabbing themselves in the legs. You know, it's it's, it's like the wild card. Yeah, man. Really no, uh, no, I love the movie, man. I, you know, I think Coach Boone needed to go to Sunshine earlier. He would have had a lot more uh, success offensively earlier. Uh, you know, but Rev was that kind of like, spe- you know, kind of like that specialty. He was like, you know, like how uh, how uh, recruiters nowadays will put the the position of ATH on a guy athlete. That's what Rev was. That's what Rev was. Yeah. Uh, to me, but uh, no, I loved it. I mean, the training camp reminded me of every practice I ever had growing up <laughs> when I was in football, especially in high school. I oh, did, you went to you went to Gettysburg. Yeah. My coach, uh, Every my, camp. my coach gave a speech <laughs> on the battlefield as well near the cemetery, and uh, yeah, we were off and running. It really it's a, is. It's a it phenomenal really movie. I, like the little things. Every time you watch it, the little things uh, that continue to pop up are just great. And uh, and again, further furthers my uh, furthers my belief that Louis Elastic belongs on a. Uh, he on a not. fictional fantasy not. football team, but I will say this: when Rev is running for, when Rev is running, shaking your head. At? Yeah, no, he does. Shaking your head. At? Uh, well, uh, when he Rev does. is running for that touchdown, like combined with the music, it just gave me chills all over. It gave me all the feels. I was totes in my. Fi- I was totes in. Uh, I was totes in my feels. Goosey bumps. Totes in my feels. Goosey bumps. Listen, all time great. I love. Uh, I love I love the just the random sport like you just cost yourself the yeah. Hall of Fame. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, I don't need your Hall of Fame because we're gonna kick your I ass. ass. Uh I go to the papers. Just, I go to the papers. And I'm gonna I know what you did. I'm gonna go to the papers. I love it. You don't call this game fair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh by the way. By the way. Yes, I love it. How like Gary Bertier. Okay, what? Like, I mean, I'm not even making. Yes. I'm not even G-E-R-R-Y. making light of this situation. Like, I just find it like, like, kind of like a holy shit. What? Like, gets into a car accident, gets paralyzed, dies in a car accident ten years later. Like, is that like, like, like? I, I, right. I don't even know what to call that, but that's like, uh, uh, like, dude, like, huh, poor guy. All I know is. He- Wow. His girlfriend, her his yeah, girlfriend was the worst, and and she like in real life. Well, I don't know about I don't know if that's a real life thing, but in the movie, yeah. she was the worst. Yeah, and uh, and again, Louis Elastic. No, he's not MVP of that he's team, not. dude. He's, he, he's, he's he the American was. idol yes, of that team. Like that's all. <laughs> he's the American idol of it. He was he was the he he's was the everything about that team yeah. when they announced him. 
And he's saying, I know yeah, you want to leave me. That, yeah, that exactly. glued the he's team like right the there. 10th round glue guy. That's it. No, he's a, he's a two-way player, offense and defense no, on the line. Not. Yes, Louis Lasty no, dominates oh the trenches. God, not on defense. Not on dominates defense. the trenches. Oh, dominates the trenches. Oh. Dominates the trenches. You're such a lot. You're such an idiot. Both ways. You're such an idiot. Both ways. All right, lastly, just a very quick update on our fantasy football. Uh, so we should we should have music to play with. It's like fantasy football updates. Uh, take uh, the take, the Garage Beers podcast take, has a fantasy team. We are we are one and zero. Yeah, we are one and zero. Uh, the, the Garage Beers podcast dominated with names like Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Hopkins and Jarvis Landry and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt. And David Montgomery and CD Lamb, we dominated in our uh, in our uh, Belly Up Sports uh, yeah. Fantasy League this week. So shout out is to us. Money, is, there like, is there like a money price at all? I don't think there was no buy in, but we'll be the best. Uh, and in the more important league with the money prize that Chad, Joey, and I are all in the league that I've run forever. Uh, Chad, uh, Joey, and I started at one and zero. Even though Joey's one is the worst, but it's such yeah. bullshit. It's one and zero. Look at the record, man. All Look that the counts record. is a W. That's it. It's one and zero. One and zero, baby. Nine Next teams. Week, it's again. a twelve-team team, and a lot, nine teams outscored Joey, and yet he's one and zero. But who won their game? Who won their Good game? Good news is I'm also one and zero as the two-time defender. You know who also outscored oh, the Browns last week? The Houston oh, Texans. Oh, 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 oh. It's not how that works. You know how scored the Chiefs last week? The Houston Texans. It's not how that works. It's not how that works. It's exact. Well, there's no that, that comparison. It's not how that works. Second. Uh, uh, also, want to know me, two-time defending back to back runner, defending back to back champion, me, and little, coming in dead last suspect. place. Little suspect coming in that the uh, defending champion gets the second <laughs> pick. That's okay. We'll move on. It's not suspect. Well, I, I put it. Agreed. I put it into oh, a thing. Yeah. Had it okay. send you, you guys it, you the put results. Put it into a draft generator. Well, you put it into a draft generator. It a times, you can't refresh it a You can't refresh it. You, dipshits. you can't well, refresh it. Uh, who well, came in dead last place? Who came in dead last place at zero and one? Chad. Who the the next closest team scored seventeen right. more points than and, him? And it was that was that Joey? <laughs> that was Joey. Uh, it was probably me. No. No, Joey scored 19 more points. He was the listen, next closest, and he listen, got a win. I'm not worried Fuck about it. Idiot. Aaron Rodgers yeah. is going to come back strong. Aaron Rodgers is going to come back strong. Right place, right time. That's all right. So, You're in the wrong place. So wrong I do. Time. I want to bring that up before we get out of here. I want to bring that up. I looked back because Aaron Rodgers scored two fantasy mm-hmm. points this week, and I looked back. I've been running this league since 2013, I think. 2014, 2013, 2014, something like that. I went back and looked at every Aaron Rodgers game since I started this league. And this was the worst game he has played ever. Yeah. Having said that, having said that, I came to the determination. I looked at his fantasy score every week. Aaron Rodgers is a shit fantasy quarterback. You really? He is shit. Well, he didn't have him last year. He is a shit fantasy quarterback. You looked at every game. I did. In most years, God, you need a life. You really need. In a most life. years, <laughs> he'll have like he'll have like five or six games where he has like thirty to forty points, 
But Aaron, more than any other elite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers will have like a nine-point game. Oh. Just out of the blue. I feel like everybody. No, does, no, so. nobody. I went so I went and studied, and I looked at other uh, other elite quarterbacks. Do you, nobody. Do you work guy. during the day? What the Who's fuck is going on with you? I think yeah, yeah work hard. Aaron Rodgers football. is one of the best quarterbacks. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but I think he is maybe the most overrated quarterback in fantasy okay. football. He is. He is. So we're going to find out. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. All right, boys. Uh, RJ Umberger was great. We had Browns talk. Browns Texans one o'clock Sunday, which I am excited about one o'clock Sunday. Just let's get back into normal time. Uh, so Browns Texans home opener. This city is going to be rocking. We talked a little bit of remember the Titans and so much more. So boys, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. We wrap it up with our favorite or our, our next favorite segment of the week. I'm sending it to Chad because he lost his wit. So I'm sending it to Chad first. Chad, what's your I'm three cheer of the week? The umpire at the Orioles game tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> I saw that. Oh, yeah. The yeah Orioles. I saw it. He, there was a storm on, coming, the storm's coming, and then he decided to eject the grounds crew off the field, and then it, like, poured, like, two minutes later. So, so, so cheers to you. So cheers to you, umpire, what? for not knowing, the, not looking at the fucking radar and not listening to the ground, head groundskeeper. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Cheers to you. Joe, what's your cheer of the week? I want to cheers, uh, ironically, not seriously, uh, the state of Tennessee for being the two-time oh, no. uh, COVID champ of the United <laughs> States. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, oh, we're just in the lead. We've been in the lead actually for a couple weeks cool. now of cases, uh, but we were actually like we had. Um, I think it was last week that if Tennessee was its own country, we would be like the second highest <laughs> in like cases per capita. Right. In the world. <laughs> so uh, I, it was funny because I was home in Cleveland last week and everyone was like wearing masks. And, and I was like, oh, OK, this is like what <laughs> rational people are doing right now. So um, just you know, get, get your shots and shit. And I, I blow. <laughs> it is a state of Kenneth Copeland's. Oh, in no. assholes. Uh, all right. So that's an ironic cheers for sure. Uh, I'm cheering. Oh, well, let's cheer. I just want to cheer, you know, just p- people being safe. I like it. I like it. Uh, so for the last cheer of the week, I am going to send out a, uh, a kind of a sad cheers. I'm going to send out a cheers to Norm MacDonald. Uh, Norm MacDonald, one of my favorite comedians of all time uh, from his time in Adam Sandler movies, like Billy Madison, where Adam Sandler goes, what day is it? Norm MacDonald goes, I don't know, October. <laughs> uh to his own movies, uh, uh, to Saturday Night Live, where he played Burt Reynolds, a.k.a. Turd Ferguson, uh, and really so much more. Norm MacDonald was a, a great comedian, a very, very funny guy, and uh, came out yesterday that he had passed away and uh, came out that he had battled cancer for nine years and never let anybody know. Uh, and that's the way that's what, I mean, if you're in the public eye, like, I feel like that has to be Chadwick. Yeah. Chadwick. Uh, so I, I love Norm Macdonald. I, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Did the same thing. Yeah. I love Norm Macdonald. He's one of my favorites. I love the dry sense of humor. I love the, the, if you get a chance to go look, <laughs> to go look up his joke about the moth, 
that he told yeah, on Conan O'Brien. Awesome. Go look that up. It is absolutely freaking hilarious. But uh, my cheer goes to Norm Macdonald. Uh, thank you for, for all the laughs and all the joy and everything that you brought into people's lives. And obviously Norm Macdonald will be missed. So uh, that's going to do it for us. Episode 81 in the books. I know it was a little bit of a longer episode, but uh, you can't help it when you got a guy like RJ Umberger on the show and, and all he wants to do is talk hockey and all we want to do is listen to him. So uh, our first thank you goes to our special guest, RJ Umberger. Again, if you want to watch this episode, get over to our YouTube page. The video of this episode will be loaded up. Uh, so make sure you can check that out uh, there. Uh, next, we obviously say thank you to you, the listener, uh, you know, without you guys following us on our pages, without you following the show, we wouldn't be able to do this. If you want to support us, get over to garagebeershop.com and get your garage beers merch. Otherwise, we'll be live. You can find us on our Instagram live after the Browns game. We'll break it down against the Texans on Sunday, but that's going to do it for us. So for Joey down in Nashville, Tennessee at Garage Beers. Joe, for Chad over on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers. Chad, I am Michael Keefe here on the west side at Garage Beers. Mike, it's episode 81 in the books. See you next week for episode 82. Cheers, everybody. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.